I tell you, I feel like God really has something in store for us this morning. I, I mean, it's good every Sunday morning, but I'm telling you, the way the enemy has wrestled and wrestled, I feel like there's a revelation or an expectation or a deliverance on the way today. <laughs> and, you know, maybe it's just for me, but I'll take it. Come on, somebody. What if it's just for you? Will you take it? <laughs> Glory to God, I'll take it. I want to go ahead and put out a, a disclaimer this morning. I've thought all week uh, about what Brother Matter had ministered on last Sunday morning. And, uh, and I just felt like there was such a stirring in my spirit, you know. And I got to digging and reading, and I was up really late last night. And, and of course, you know, woke up early this morning. And, and uh, so the disclaimer that I want to put out is, I'm going to minister up here so I can be behind this. This is the disclaimer. Is uh, Everybody knows that I've been moving and I'm kind of out of sorts with living here and still got my stuff down in Ludville and so on and so forth. And Carrie always comes to church with me on Sunday mornings. So we, I always stay the night with her on Saturday night most of the time and then wake up on Sunday morning so we can commute together, right? Well, this morning she found out she was going to have to go into work early and wouldn't get to come with me. Well, I rush out and grab my bag and head up to Jasper or Ella J and realize when I get up here that I have her bag. And if anybody knows my daughter, she's about this tall. And so her clothes on me is about this high, you know. <laughs> yeah, y'all laugh right now. <laughs> and so... And so, no, it's all good. And so I spent most of my morning at the Walmart. How many people know Walmart don't sell dresses? Do y'all women know that? I swear I've seen dresses in Walmart before. I thought I had. But no, I even considered buying a gown and putting a top over the gown. But you know what? The gowns are just as short as this dress is. <laughs> Lord, have mercy, Jesus. Come on, somebody witness. This is a real testimony. <laughs> So I want to tell you, I have fought the devil, my flesh, and even angels this morning. Because, you know, the devil, he wants, he's over here and he's like, hey, you better not go. You know they're going to talk about you. You know they ain't going to understand. Them women will rebuke you. And I'm like, I'm like, right? Then I got the angel of the Lord over here saying, Paul preached in chains. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> and then the flesh wants to say well you know you got to go help this little newlywed couple paint just as soon as church is over just call and tell them let sister Kathy or Lisa or somebody and you just go on and paint you know there's more to worshiping God than just going to church there's some service involved <laughs> but you see where I'm at <laughs> just like I am amen Glory to God. Hey, you know, I want to tell you something. This is how you can tell the difference between the spirit of the enemy, your flesh, and the spirit of God. Because I'll let you know a secret. They all three sound exactly alike. They sound just like Susie. When they're talking to me, they sound just like Susie. But the devil will condemn you. The enemy will condemn you and say there's no hope, there's no reason. He'll discourage you. The, 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 your flesh will say, just take the easiest road. Whatever is the easiest for you, it's all all right. You saved, you're going to heaven, you studying. 
It's easy. The flesh wants something easy. The enemy condemns and depresses and oppresses. The flesh is just easy. But the Spirit of God will say, come on, you can do it. It's an obstacle. It may be embarrassing. It may be a struggle, but you can do it. You can do it. That's the Spirit of God. Amen. And this morning, I feel like God has something dynamic. Or He wouldn't fight like this. Amen. Come on. I love the Lord. And I love being here. I love the presence of God. I love the presence, being in the presence with you people. There's more to it than just the presence of God. Huh? I, I, really, feel, I really feel comfortable right here, though. <laughs> I got my Bible open up. But, uh, the presence of you guys, you know, there's more to serving God than just being in the Spirit. It's actually being taken to the Spirit in fellowship. Is that right? So if you got your Bibles this morning, and how many of us actually studied what Brother Matter taught last week? Because I want to tell you something. If you've never heard that before, that was a revelation. Come on now. And when you hear a revelation, you need to study it. There's more to it than just hearing it. You've got to be a doer of the Word, not just a hearer only. Come on. And so let's go right back to uh, Romans 7. Verse 14. And let me tell you what the front part of the services should be. If we're not going to sing and glorify God, and we can if we feel led to, then the front part of the services should be strengthening. And when I say strengthening, I mean agreeing with what was ministered last Sunday morning. <laughs> Come on. I shouldn't have a different revelation than the pastor. Come on. Come on. Because God knows we can't eat that great old big bite all in one gulp. Can you eat that? Could you digest all that he said last Sunday morning in one gulp? No. No, you couldn't. <laughs> so we need to eat on it all week long. We need to pray towards it all week long. We need to apply in little bitty pieces in our life and in the lives of others all week long. Sometimes all month long. I'll tell you something that I talk about. When I talk about my pastor, when I talk about Brother Matter, and I've said this for years and years and years, is I said, you know what? He don't get up every Sunday morning. used to be every Friday night for me. But he don't get up every week and preach something different. God will give him a revelation, and he'll preach that revelation with different scriptures, different passages, but he may preach it for all year long. All year long. Trying to get us to understand the revelation. It's true. And so... So we need to work and practice what we've been taught until we can go on to something else. Amen? That may be me, Sister Kathy. You know what? It would be just perfect if it was. Can you cut it off? You know what? You know how it is. That's right. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're just going to touch on that. Amen? And he was talking from uh, Romans chapter 7, starting with verse 14. It says, for we know that the law is spiritual. Now, we can stop right there. The law is spiritual. That, the whole thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, the very law that we cannot keep, and God knew we couldn't keep it when he gave it, amen, but we needed to know the difference. It's spiritual. It's to help us. Anything spiritual is to help us. My God. So let's see. 
We know that it is spiritual. Now, what happens is we are carnal. Can you turn that down? What happens is we are carnal. So the carnal man wants to apply carnal laws. Sometimes we can't even apply the carnal laws. You in a hurry to get somewhere and the carnal law is posted 55 in front of you? That's a carnal law. And there's judgment when you break that carnal law. But the natural man sometimes can't even keep carnal laws. So if we can't keep carnal laws, how are we supposed to keep spiritual laws? The only way it can be done is in the Spirit. That's why he said if you walk in the flesh, it's death to you. But walking in the Spirit is life because he come to give us life. Amen. So we see that the law, for we know that the law is spiritual. Paul says, but I'm carnal. So what am I going to do? How am I going to obtain this when I'm that? You've got to have a change. You've got to have a change. A fish cannot fly. And a bird cannot swim. They can dive and they can paddle, but they do not have gills. <laughs> Two different elements. Amen. Come on now. Come on. Get with me. Right? So Paul said, there's a law in the Spirit that I can't perform. I can't get a hold of it because I'm carnal. So what am I going to do? He says, it's really bugging me. I keep reaching for it and reaching for it and grabbing it. I see it out there, but I can't obtain it. Amen. And I'm saved. Hey, Paul, Paul had credentials, right? And you know, that's how you know God really has purpose for your life. Because ever since you were a little bitty kid, you knew there was something more. More than just church. I was took to church ever since I was two weeks old. Every weekend I was in church. Little Baptist church. I mean, they taught salvation and they knew salvation. I ain't saying nothing bad about the Baptists. They got a hold of something some of us need. Because we're trying to apply, apply principles and we've never been regenerated. We've never been introduced to God. All we know is grandma, what grandma had. There's a starting point in this for each one of us. Come on. But there is something, and I kept looking. I kept looking as I got older, you know. And so I started venturing out, Brother Thomas, to, the, to different churches where they did different things. And it blew my mind, and, and some of it was good. And I tried it, and, and it worked. It fit me. Some of it didn't. Some of it didn't. And you know what? I didn't kick those folk. I just said, you know what? That's not necessarily for me, <laughs> right? I tried it on. You know, it's our duty to, to, uh, try, to try the Spirit's to see if they be of God or not. But I tried it, and that fit me. And I, I would say, hey, this is good. And I operated in that for a little while. And then I was still hungry. I was still reaching. There was still, Paul, man, oh, my God, he said, I became not only a Pharisee, I became a Pharisee of Pharisees. I sat on the Sanhedrin court. I had education. I was eloquent in my speaking. I would, not only did I sit on the council, but I went out. I got on my horsey with letters to go kill some folk in the name of God. He said, I did all that I could do in the natural reaching for this thing. How many of us can say honestly that we have tried and we have tried and we have tried? Amen. But it's frustrating. 
He said, because that thing that I wanted to do, I couldn't, I couldn't hold on to it. It kept slipping through my fingers, my God. He said, I kept looking for it, though. <laughs> Amen. Some of us have kept, that's why we're here today. Because we've not give up on this search for the gospel. We realize there's still something else. There's still something more, amen. I see the cross. It's in, it's in the horizon, my God. And I keep walking towards it. But every mile seems like I'm on a, a treadmill or an escalator. You know where you, you keep walking, but the escalator's going down. And you keep walking. And there it is. In the, but I can't give up. Because I see something that's worth fighting for. I see something that's worth striving for. And I believe it, Sister Kathy. See, I'm convinced. Oh, my God. I, I ain't up here trying to convince myself or convince you. I'm sold out. Like the three Hebrew children when they went to the fiery furnace. They said, let me tell you something. <laughs> my God can deliver. My God, now whether he delivers me, whether I ever get to taste of it, eat of it, that'll be for him to decide. But I still know it's there. I still know it's real. And I will strive for it all the days of my life. Hallelujah! Woo! I'm not of them that turn back. Glory to God. I've been birthed to obtain. Amen. And Paul said, I have too. I, 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 I. But it's frustrating. He said, verse 16, if then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now, then there is no more that I that, that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. He said, every time I reach it, I reach out and I touch it. And then before I know it, I'm right back here again. I'm right back here again. Oh, man, sometimes I can get in some good services in the last 25 years. That's just 25 years that I've been, uh, uh, my, the scales has fallen off my eyes. And I've actually been uh, uh, full-time in the gospel. You know, and I told you, I've been in church ever since I was two weeks old. But I wasn't full-time. I went because Mama made me. I went because it was the thing to do. But when I was 17, I was visited, amen. <laughs> Come on. Somebody wave at me if you've ever been visited by God. If you know what I'm talking about, amen, where it ain't no more mama begging you to go. You up at the crack of dawn with your clothes on, ready to go, amen. You can't wait to get there. That's what I'm talking about. He said, but in, in all my efforts, I can't truly obtain just yet. I keep finding my flesh standing up, and it's frustrating for me. He goes on and says, There dwells no good thing in me, for to will is present. I want to. You want to, or you would not be here. You'd be in some laxy-daisy church. Can I tell you, this church is not easy. <laughs> this church is not easy. Sometimes you get your hide tan. Sometimes you feel like a dog and you want to get under the pews. I don't tell you, sometimes when I know I hadn't, you know, made the grade, I will come and go ahead and get under the pew before Brother Matter ever gets up here. Amen. Somebody wave at me. You know what I'm talking about. I just go ahead and get down. Get right. Come on. That's the reason I know that we're going to make it. Because we're reaching for it regardless. We're reaching for it regardless if we get the wrong bag. 
We're reaching for it regardless if we get the wrong Bible. We're reaching for it regardless, amen. We've got to obtain this. And nothing, nothing is going to stand in our way. That is the attitude that obtains. See, God loves to play hide and seek. And I'm not talking about that little game that kids play where they turn around and they, you know, they count one, two, three, and you run hide in the hardest place you can find because you don't want them to find you. I'm not talking about that hide and seek. I'm talking about the kind where the newborn that can't crawl, can't talk, but they can identify. They're two or three months old, you know, and they smile. They, they can identify. So you lay them in your lap and you do this. You don't leave them. You're never out of their presence. You're never, you never leave them where they can fall or get hurt. You just simply do this. God loves that kind of stuff. And you know what the babies do? You, you cover their face, and they'll be like, and then you say, Pee-pie, and they're like, oh, <laughs> oh, they just laugh. They love the game. And we love playing it with them. Why? Because it brings joy to our heart to see them smile. Amen? God loves that with us. He loves that with us. He'll do that. He'll put a veil up for a short period of time, and we'll just get all fretful. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Where's he at? What have I done? Oh, my Lord. You know? And then he'll say, Peepah. You hadn't prayed. You hadn't sung a song. You, hadn't, you know, you're washing dishes. You know? You, you, you don't break your regimen of prayer and study, but I'm just saying at the most inopportune time, really, you know, in the shower while you're washing dishes, taking clothes out of the washing machine, putting them in the dryer, God will say, Peepah! And you'll be like, ah! <laughs> hey, Jesus. He loves that kind of stuff. Paul said, for to will is present. I want to. But how to perform that thing which is good, I just can't hold on to it. Oh, Lord, I just can't hold on to it. And this is one of the most realistic passages of Scripture about Paul that we can apply to our life as seekers. As seekers. Amen? Because every one of us faced this very thing that he's talking about. He was realistic enough to write it. Ain't you glad? He was realistic enough to write it. Glory to God. But it gets better. Going down to uh, verse 25, he says, or let's see, what, let's do 24. Finally, he just reaches out and he says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of this death? Have you ever done that? I have gotten so aggravated at myself having missed a task or having missed God or acted out in my flesh in a negative way. And as soon as I cool down... I think to myself, why did you do that? Why did you act like that? Why did you say that? That's going to set you back. Now, that's going to be a person that's going to be harder for you to win if you can now. Why did you do that? I have cried out, oh, wretched Susie, I hate you sometimes. I want to be delivered of you. <laughs> Not them. Me. Oh, wretched person that I am, who can help me? Who can deliver me? I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A revelation came to him. 
a revelation came to him. Now let me tell you, it's like this. There's two laws. See, it's hard for us to kind of think of it in the spirit because it's a spiritual principle. He's talking about the law of sin and death. That's one law. But then he talks about the law of life and liberty. That's a second law. And unless we're in the Spirit and high in the Spirit, it's hard for us to understand that exactly. We can say, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I've read that. I've heard that preached. Yeah, I, I get that. But now to actually understand it in a way that we can apply it, let's take for just a second something carnal. Let's take the law of gravity. Okay, let's talk to the carnal man this morning for just a second. Amen? Because Paul said you got to get it here too. It can't just be here. It's already here. Somebody pat yourself on the chest and say, it's already here. Amen. It's here. The law of life and liberty, it's in here. Amen. But it hadn't got to here just yet. <laughs> it's working on it. And I'm trying my best. Okay? But in order to get here this morning, let's take the law of uh, 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 gravity. Because that's a law. That is an actual law that we can understand. Let me demonstrate the law of gravity for you. That's the law of gravity. <laughs> what goes up will come down. Because the law of gravity pulls on you. You can't see it. You can't feel it. You can't hear it. But it is always in place. Amen. The law of gravity. This little thing right here, it's going to represent the law of gravity this morning. That is always in place. I don't care if you saved or not. I don't care if you speak in tongues or not. I don't care what the, 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 the matter may be. This law is a law that is in place, and it has been in place, and it will continue to be in place until the Lord comes back. Oh, Lord. But there is somebody. There's been several folk. But there was somebody named Orville. And he had a brother named Wilbur, I think. Right. And they said, you know what? There's something about this law that just don't, there's got to be more. They kept reaching for it and reaching for it. And they said, there's got to be something. I see, I have seen other people. I have seen animals. I've seen birds fly. And that law of gravity don't apply to them. Now something's up. I've seen Jesus walk on water. Come on, something's up. <laughs> I've seen, I've, I've, I, I say I've seen, I've read in the Bible where certain disciples were translated from one place to another. Something's up. So Orville and Wilbur, is that the right brothers? That's their names, ain't Orville and Wilbur, they begin to reach for something. Even though it had never been done before. <laughs> They knew in their spirit. They knew in their heart. They knew in themselves there was something else out there. Amen. And I watched a documentary and I seen some of the contraptions people made. And some of them were just flat out ridiculous. There was this one thing that was round and it looked like it had a, a helicopter blades and all it did was hopped. <laughs> Never really got off the ground. It did for just a few seconds at a time. And I thought to myself, how absolutely ridiculous and preposterous. But we've done it too in the Spirit. Come on, somebody. We have reached this way and thought that was it. 
we've reached this way and thought that was it. I can remember whenever I was a teenager going to a church, and buddy, I'm telling you, if you didn't dress like them, wear your hair like them, your face like them, your hands like them, they would eat you up. But they was reaching for something. It was wrong. <laughs> but they were honestly reaching, amen. And in my mind, it looked absolutely ridiculous and preposterous because I could see that ain't going to fly. <laughs> but you couldn't explain it to them. They had to find it out themselves. And some folk you just need to leave alone and pray for, amen. But in that documentary of flight... They had some that had wings like a bird. And they would run out through there and they would flap them wings and they'd get a little lift and they'd come back down, a little lift. And then what happened was there was too much stress. So it would cause stress fractures and their tail fin would fall off or a wing would break. We've done these things in the spirit because they were trying to say there's something out there other than this first law. Something that we can't see, we can't see gravity, but I believe there's something out there. And Wilbur, Wilbur and Orville, they found the law of aerodynamics. That's a law. That's a law. And today we take it for granted because we see them big old jets in the air. There's contrails all through the sky all the time where you see big old jets flying thousands, 25,000 feet in the air. My goodness, we've got little old cubs that... Crop dusters now that fly, you know, a couple hundred feet off the ground. We have uh, trikes that's just like a little lawn chair with wings. We have all kinds of things. We have hand gliders that fly, gliders. They're all defying this first law. Now, this first law is still in place. Just because they get in an airplane and they lift off, amen, what is it called? Speed or thrust and drag, and they lift off. And they actually get above gravity. Amen. Gravity is still pulling them. Just because they found this second law doesn't annul or disavow the first law. The first law is still in place and it will never be done away with. However, they have come to this new law, this new principle called aerodynamics, amen, that lifts them up off the ground and causes them to fly in the air. Hallelujah. And that first law is still pulling on, but this second law is greater, amen. It's greater, hallelujah. Whew. Glory to God. Ver chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now he found something. Somebody look at me and say, Paul found something, amen. He found a second law, amen. Glory to God. He found something that would take the drag and the weight off of him, glory to God. That first law was a drag. That first wall was weighty. It weighted him down. It earthbound him. It made him carnal. But my God, that second law of life and liberty set him free. Do you know what you sing about when you sing, He set me free? <laughs> he gave you a second principle, a second law that's greater than death and the grave. Whew. Hallelujah! He said, therefore, there is now, 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 right now, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, let me tell you something about them airplanes. They still come down. You know why? 
because they can't carry enough fuel. Amen. But I have seen them do touch and goes. <laughs> Amen. I hang around airfields every now and then, and I've seen them practice touch and goes, which means they come in, they and they take right back off. They don't have time to pick up no passengers. <laughs> oh, my God, somebody needs to wave and say, I ain't got time to pick up no sin. I ain't got time to pick up no habits. I ain't got time to pick up nothing in this flesh. Amen. I got to do a touch and go. Amen. God will send you into this world to be a witness, but it's a touch and go. Somebody say touch and go. It's a touch and go. We're not of this world. We're in this world. But we're not of this world. We need to convince ourselves of that. Amen. And this ain't some fanatical teaching either. This is reality. If you don't realize that you are more spirit than you are flesh, then you need to be born again into the spirit. Amen. See, I was born the first time, Paul said, of my mama. But at the second time, I was born of him. <laughs> Glory to God. And that second birth is more, uh, it gives me lift. Hallelujah. Paul said, there is there now for no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And if I stutter, y'all just say, that's Susie speaking in tongues, all right? Because <laughs> you get so high in the spirit sometimes. Amen. Glory to God. <laughs> that may be the closest I ever get, but that's all right, Jesus. I feel good in God this morning. Amen. I I'm serious. Does this make sense to anybody? Come on now. Is that right? All right. There is... Therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh. I want to tell you, whenever I was earthly, I th all I thought of was carnal things. All I, all I could think of whenever I was in high school was Friday night, Saturday night. Come on. It's true. Sunday. Sunday wasn't about church to me. Sunday is about mud bogging. <laughs> Sunday is about getting on a four-wheeler. Sunday was about getting on a horse. Sunday was about doing something. Amen. Friday night was about having a good time. Sunday was about doing something leisurely, something that I enjoy. All I could think of was walking in the flesh. I planned my calendars according to the flesh. Amen. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Come on. He said, but, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. But once I got born again, brother, my calendar changed. <laughs> my weekends changed. My life changed. It wasn't no longer mama making me. It wasn't no longer uh, 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 afraid of what somebody was going to think about me or what somebody was going to tell on me. All of a sudden, I was doing this for Susie, amen. All of a sudden, God created a hunger and a thirst inside of me to reach for Him. Glory to God. And it's my pleasure, it's my pleasure to walk in the Spirit. And I get frustrated with myself when I slip back into my flesh. I get frustrated with myself. Do you know why? Because I'm looking for that second law of liberty. I'm looking for that second law that unshackles me from this world. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I'm looking for that second principle, amen, that unshackles me from sin, that unshackles me from death, that unshackles me from this world, amen. Now, I'm not talking about sprouting wings and flying away. I'm talking about living and obtaining in this very life, right here, right now, amen, to, but to be a benefit. You know what aggravates me is when people get in a trouble or in a struggle and they begin to pray and they'll begin to say God send an angel send an angel send brother Thomas 
Come on, somebody. Send Sister Cat. Send Brother Kevin. You realize how many times y'all have been more than an angel to me? Send Sister Kathy. Now, maybe y'all have never been in need enough <laughs> to actually need. Amen. But when I get in need, I want my brother and my sister. <laughs> because angels don't understand my struggle. Come on. They might fight my battle, but they don't understand my struggle. Amen. That's why Jesus came and became our high priest. Hallelujah. I'm talking about I want to be unshackled, Brother Donald, so I can go to somebody and minister to them. Amen. About this high off the ground. <laughs> when sin and death no longer have hold of me, glory to God. Where that first law, that first principle, gravity does not apply. Amen. Then my words, that's why Paul said, all that education, <laughs> all that eloquency of speech, all that does is confuse a lot of folk. Now, you may be high society and high class and understand them big words, but if you come to me talking with all that, I won't understand a word you're saying and you won't benefit me one bit. I need somebody who's been down in the dirt. <laughs> who knows what I'm going through, amen, who can minister to my need in a way that I can understand, glory to God. You can't help me if I don't understand you. That's why tongues, amen, come on. That's why if we all, if a sinner comes in here and every one of us is speaking in tongues, you ain't going to help them one bit. If you take a sinner come in here who's never been in church before, all they know is roughnecking and drugs or alcohol and abuse, and you grab them up and anoint them with oil, and five or six of us shake them this way and shake them that way and pick them up and toss them around and give them a whole bunch of rules, and, and you ain't going to keep them. They don't have a clue what's going on. <laughs> Come on, it's true. We need this thing broke down. Break it down, Jesus. Glory to God. So I can eat it. Glory to God. I remember when my baby was a toddler, before she could walk, we had this little thing. We'd stick her in it with wheels. A walker or something. I forget what this called. Anyway, you stick it in it with wheels. And, and, and we would feed her baby food and stuff. But whenever I'd cook black-eyed peas, that baby still loves black-eyed peas. Here she'd come in that walker. <laughs> Here she'd come in that walker. And you know what I'd do? I'd take the black eye out of it, and I'd mash it with my finger, and I'd put it on her little gums. She didn't have no teeth. Just wipe it on her guns and, oh, my God, she'd love them black-eyed peas. <laughs> even before she cut her teeth. Can I tell you, God will give us some meat, amen, even before we cut spiritual teeth to chew it with, he'll break it down for us. <laughs> Hallelujah! He's good like that. He wants us to get this. He wants us to operate in this. Amen. Therefore, it's not just great mysteries, amen, but it's revelation. See, Proverbs 25, I had to Google this coming down the road because I couldn't remember where the scripture was, but I knew it was in there. Proverbs 25, verse 2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings to search out a matter. Can I tell you, you are kings and princes this morning. Queens and princesses this morning. Hallelujah. It's the glory of God. It's a mystery up there. It's a mystery. And sometimes you can just see it, Sister Cat, like, a, like the Milky Way. You go out on an a uncloudy night and the stars are all shining. You can see that Milky Way. I don't understand that. I mean, I know what it is. I can get a textbook or I can Google. I mean, I know. But, but to look from here to there, it's a mystery to me. But my God, if you got in a spaceship 
and you went up there, it's revelation to you. <laughs> it's revelation to you then. Hallelujah. Or if that thing comes down to earth, it's revelation to you then. It's applicable. That means you can apply it then. You can't apply it up there, but you can apply it right here. God is wanting this mystery. He brought the mystery down, hallelujah, through Brother John. Glory to God. And others. I'm sure there's others. But to us, it was Brother John. He brought that mystery down, and it became revelation. Come on. Revelation. Revelation is something that is revealed. Now, it's our job as kings and queens, princes and princesses, to search this matter out. Amen. And once we search it out, then we apply it. And it becomes ours. Hallelujah. How many people want this? I mean, how many of us is reaching and wanting this? Glory to God. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath both made me free from the law of sin and death. Hallelujah. This second law, this law of aerodynamics, it made Orville and Wilbur free from the law of gravity. Amen. And this second law of life and liberty makes us free from the law of sin and death. It doesn't do away with that law, but it rises us above it. Amen. Glory to God. I feel lift this morning. Does anybody feel lift? Hallelujah. I feel lift this morning. Glory to God. Hallelujah. As Brother John gets ready, why don't we all stand to our feet, make our pastor welcome, and say, bring it on, Brother John. We are ready, amen, for some word this morning. We are hungry for it. Amen. He don't have to force feed us. We came hungry. Amen. We came with our bib on. Glory to God. And our mouths open. We're ready, hallelujah, to receive the word of God. Give Brother John a, a, a welcome, would you please? Thank you, Jesus. How many of you glad to be in the house of the Lord? You know, i got an excitement and an expectancy for where God's taking us. I do. And if you didn't see or hear the service last week or the one in Port Payne on Saturday, then you need to watch them. Go back and get them. Because I'm going to tell you something. God set my soul on fire with this revelation. There is something being revealed that I ain't never heard in all my life. Never heard nobody touch on it. Of course, when God started revealing this kingdom to me, I'd never really heard anybody touch on it. But as I got into it, I knew that people had had parts of it revealed. But they never had it revealed in the fullness that God revealed it to me. So I'm excited about what God's doing. Especially when Sister Kathy Quentin stood up here yesterday and read off that pad and asked the questions that I just preached on and said that was the questions they had talked about and prayed about in their Bible study and God said, ask your pastor. And God explained every bit of it last week. And, and that's how it started with Sister Kathy Conrad. She'd come to church, and there'd be questions she'd had for years or she'd been praying about. God answer them. Time after time after time. Probably happened with you too, Sister Susie. God just starts answering. Why? God wants us to understand. He don't want us walking in ignorance. He wants us to understand what He's doing. You know, there's a scripture in Deuteronomy, and we're fixing to go to prayer. Scripture in Deuteronomy 29, 29, and it says something like this. The secret things 
belong unto the Lord our God. But once He's revealed them, they're ours. Once He takes that blindfold off, once He whispers that mystery in your ear or puts that out there for you to understand, then it belongs to you. Then it belongs to you. God didn't do all these things to hide them from us. But there's two things. You've got to seek for them, and it's got to be His time to reveal them. Because God don't reveal nothing before His time. Because to everything, there's a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. And somebody asked me, well, Brother Meadow, we've read this stuff for years. Why haven't we seen it? Because God ain't revealed it. It wasn't time for God to reveal it. Amen? But now's the time. Once God breaks the seals and breaks the cover off of something, it's God's time. But the Lord spoke to us for the last two or three years in Alabama, said, I'm fixing to open the seals. Said, what Daniel saw in his vision, I'm fixing to open the seals. What John heard the seven thunders utter, I'm fixing to, to let it be known, let it be written. Lord told me when I preached for Brother Patterson a year ago in uh, uh, January 2014, the Lord, I heard the voice of the Lord speak to me. He said, you must prophesy again before many tongues, nations, and kindreds. That's what he spoke to John on the Isle of Patmos. Well, John never did. But that spirit of those prophets fixing to set down in us, fixing to be revealed in us. Somebody asked me or said something about the way I've been preaching and the way I've been taking the gloves off. And I said, well, I don't have to deal with religious spirits no more. I say, because God's put an authority in me to deal with things. And I'm going to deal with them. Because you don't deal with things, it's going to keep people in bondage. And I'm not going to go around in bondage. I've seen too many people in bondage, seen them bound by religion. And it's time to get free. Amen. Does the Bible not tell us you shall know the truth? And what's the truth going to do? Make you free. And whom the Son has made free is free indeed. So... I want us to pray together. And what I want y'all to do when y'all praying during the week, pray for God to put a unity in this church. Pray for God to put a spirit of prayer in the hearts of the people and has come together and petitioned God for His Spirit to bring us together in one mind, one accord, for one purpose, and that's to see this gospel of the kingdom declared and, and for the power of God to get in people's lives. You know, back in the days of the, the first church in Acts, man, people knew when people walked with God. People used to know, Brother Kevin, when people walked with God. They don't know anymore. They can't tell. People so worldly. I'm, t I'm not talking about in their dress. You know, the their people always look at dress. No, it's, it's how you live. It's your conversation. It's how you conduct yourself. Almost nobody has integrity or ethics anymore. But used to a person walk with God had integrity and ethics. They'd do things right. Amen? They had a testimony that they served God. And people, you know, the Word says, we shall overcome them by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of her testimony. Well, what's your testimony? What's your testimony? What you been through? How you living your life? Your testimony ain't standing up in church and 
saying, I love Jesus, your testimony is how you live. Your testimony is your daily walk with God. Your testimony is how you conduct yourself in hard times and troubles and trials. Your testimony is when everything goes to hell. Y'all pardon my straight forward. Everything goes to hell in the handbasket. And you don't know what to do about anything. Your testimony, you stand firm on God's Word. Amen. I remember Sister Angela Abraham was down the youth rally and in 04. And I had fell off the roof in 2000, busted myself all up. And then we just went through our house burning down in May of 2003. And I was 03, and we went to youth rally in 03. And I was there, and I think Lisa and Christopher was there with me. It might have been 04. I can't remember now. No, it had to have been 03. And Sister Angela Abraham stood up and said, I want Brother Metter to come testify. She said, I can tell you something. She said, I've seen that man fall off the roof and bust his back up, and he kept the faith. I seen this man's house burn down, his family lose everything he had, and I said he's kept the faith. I said he ain't wavered. He's kept the faith. Preachers turned against him, seen him fall, seen him. He's kept the faith. Why? I believe. I believe in my God. Sometime when I'm praying, I'll just I'll just stop and I'll say, Jesus, I believe in you. Other people may not believe in you, Jesus, but I believe in you. I believe your word. I believe the cross. I believe the stripes. I, I believe the power. I, I believe that word. I, that no matter what we go through, you're bringing us out. My Savior, I believe in you. I make my confession to him because I believe in him. But let's, let's pray and ask God to bring us together. God ain't put this word in me to confuse you or to confound you or to bring division. He's put this word in me so you can go to a higher height, a deeper depth than a place in God. That It's like church don't want to go anywhere anymore. Everybody's satisfied with three songs and a prayer request and a good sermonette. I want God. And everything about God there is that I can get my hands on, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. You don't have many of you. I know you probably have sisters who's been around pigs, especially the little ones. And I, I, somebody give me a pig. She grew up south, and, I, you know, I had her bred, and she had a bunch of love, about 10 or 12 of them little rascals. And had a milk cow, too. I know how to milk a cow. Not with a milking machine. There's my milking machine. <laughs> But I remember we had some clabbered milk. Them little rascals probably seven, eight weeks old. We poured some clabbered milk in a about an eight-foot-long trough. And there wasn't room for all of them at the trough. And I seen one of them. He kept trying to get up that trough, get up that trough when nobody let him up. They kept pushing him out. And he got out on the far end, and he got up on one of them's belly and just flipped him. <laughs> Took that snout and just flipped him. Right up over the trough. And he crawled up in there both feet and started eating. He wasn't getting what he wanted. And he turned one beside him and he flipped him out of the way. So man, it come God don't get in my way. I'll able to get my snout up on him and just flip you out of the way. Because I'm hungry for God. So let's ask God to bring us together. I want to see a unity in this church. I want this church. I know there's been moves of God here over the years. But I want this church to become a lighthouse. 
for this community, a, a place of deliverance. A place when people know they pull on the grounds, they're going to get something from God. That when they walk in the door, they're going to feel the presence of God. Whether they come to pray, whether they come to hear the word, whether they come just to fellowship, whatever they come for, I want this church to be set afire in the very presence of God to dwell here. I know God don't dwell in buildings made with hands, but I'm going to tell you something. There can be enough word preached and a prayer made. You can feel the presence of God when you pull on the grounds or walk in the door, and that's what we need. We need some places of refuge. We need something that souls can come and they can feel the working of the Holy Ghost. My God, it touches their lives from the time they pull on the ground. And it takes a relationship with God to get that done. And I want to see it happen. So let's pray one for another. Let's ask God to give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand what the Spirit's speaking. Brother Kevin, is your mama okay? Okay. All right, because I know she wasn't here. I just want to be sure she wasn't sick. Or... Oh, okay. All right, let's pray for... Let's just pray for Sister Pat first, and then we'll... Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, you step right up there, God, and you reach down. God, you heal those sinuses. God, you overshadow Sister Pat. You bring that healing. You bring that deliverance. You lift her up. You strengthen her. God, you bring her back in this house, Lord. God, she's missed when she's not here, Lord. She's a part of what you're working here, Savior. And I don't want her to miss what you're doing, Father. Lord, you let that healing virtue, God, flow out of your stripes into her body. And we ask it, and we agree, and you said, if any two shall agree, as touching any one thing, you said, I'll do it. And God, we agree right now. You bring us together in a unity, Lord. You bring us together in one mind for one accord for the purpose of this gospel. God, for this kingdom to be established. Lord, in this area, for your kingdom to be revealed in us and for us to take hold of what you're doing and come together. God, take the scales from our eyes, the dullness from our ears and cut this old hardness. God, away from people's hearts. Lord, put an excitement Put a stir, put a joy. Oh my God, you said, Lord, that you gave the disciples joy. Lord, in the Holy Ghost. God, give us joy today. God, give us joy in the Holy Ghost. God, give us comfort and joy in the Holy Ghost. And let us walk in comfort. Let us walk in peace and joy, knowing that we're applying ourselves to possess your kingdom and take hold of your word and let your will be done. In Jesus' name, we ask it to be so, Lord. Amen. Give the Lord a good praise before you set out. Hallelujah. You can go ahead and be seated if you can. I'm going to tell you, I'm just excited about what God's doing. And I can't thank the Lord enough how He's revealing Himself. Because... He chose me. I didn't choose him. He chose me. And I told my wife the other day, of course, I've known parts of this word ever since probably, I think God first started revealing some of this to me in 84. But as far as just getting in the word and studying the word and God giving me a revelation, mainly all my preaching, I preach faith, healing, salvation, deliverance. I've just stuck with, because I'm an evangelist. 
I didn't get into a lot of revelation of the Word. I just evangelized. But even when I wasn't preaching the kingdom, I was preaching the kingdom. <laughs> and just every now and then I'd get into fasting, seeking God, and God would start opening something up to me. But I'm going to tell you something. Ever since 2006, when the Lord spoke to me about the resurrected life of Christ, and told me I could be as He is and not as He was, there's something come alive in me. And I've studied the Word, and God is just bits and pieces like pieces of a puzzle put this thing together and I, I'd really like all of you to get that CD uh, on the mystery of the first resurrection from December 95 is it on the website it's on our website uh, and see all these services y'all can go to the website or y'all can go to the live stream and you can watch everything that's been preached you can go back and listen. You can go back and, you know, you can go on the website and a lot of the preaching's there. And you can go back in the uh, live stream. Get that out and download it on your phone and you can watch it anywhere. You can watch it while you're out there pumping gas, Brother Thomas, if that's what you do. I don't know. I know he works for a gas company, but, you know, you got drive time or well, I don't want you watching something when you, but you can still listen to it. Or you can go to the you can go to the website and you, you it says listen now and hit that tab and you can download and uh, and I, I've tried to encourage people and tell them you know I had a brother at church in Fort Payne and just seemed like he couldn't get nowhere and I said you got an hour's drive to work of a morning an hour's drive home of an evening I said either get you some CDs of the preaching or get you some Bible tapes and start listening to the Word. And he did, and it made a difference in him. Put something in your spirit, it's going to bring life. The Bible said in Isaiah 26, the man who keeps his, what is it? I can't remember now. Yeah, the man whose mind has stayed upon the Lord, the Lord will keep him in perfect peace because he trusteth in him. You've got to keep that word and the working of the Spirit in front of you at all times. You know, Joshua made the, statement and man you see it posted everywhere ask for me in my house we shall serve the Lord okay that's good ask for you in your house you will serve the Lord that don't mean you're going to come to church that means you're going to serve the Lord so when you see that next time you see that stop and ask yourself what have you done this week during the week to serve the Lord what have you done during the week to serve the Lord? Is He in your home? Have you had prayer in your home? Have you studied the Word in your home? Have you talked about Him? Is He in your conversation? Can you go through your house and throw your hands up and praise God and not offend somebody? Can you go through your house and shout and talk in tongues and magnify the Lord and not interrupt somebody's TV show? What have you done this week to serve God? So if you're going to make the statement, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, then there needs to be some serving the Lord going on in you every day. It don't need to be once a week. Amen? It don't need to be once a week. It needs to be every day. Because you don't, you don't serve God in the church. You worship God in the church. But you serve the Lord in your home. 
You serve, and I've taught on this time and time again. Like says Susie says, God ever gives me a revelation, man, I'll stay on it. God give me that revelation of the family altar in 2012, I guess it was. I preached it for about three years. I didn't let up on it for two and a half, three years. Because people needed it. And that was a word from God that got down where people lived. And I still touch on it from time to time. Because people that call themselves Christians, they don't have a prayer life, they don't have a relationship with God, they don't have nothing going on with their families. They don't. When I grew up, my daddy traveled a lot, and he had to because he worked and preached, but he traveled. And mama would gather us in the living room every night. We didn't have TV back then. We didn't know what TV was. Y'all think that's crazy, but I'm going to tell you something. I was about six, seven years old. I never seen a television because it wasn't that plentiful back then. Because I was born in 52, and I think TV come out in like 49, 48 or 49, somewhere back in there. And you know when you first got them, the little bitty thing. <laughs> I mean, it'd be about like watching TV on your cell phone now or your iPad, and all they had was black and white, and we had three channels. It's like that fellow said. He said, if the president spoke, and you as a kid, your whole night of TV was gone. Because <laughs> he took up the whole thing, and he was on all three channels. At ABC, NBC, and CBS, all they had, and I was growing up. Amen. And like I said, we didn't see a TV like six, seven years old. And our entertainment wasn't the television. We didn't know what a computer had never been thought of, not for people. And Mama would get us around a great big chair she had in the living room. Five of us kids. There were six of us, but there's five of us at home any given time because my oldest sister got married and she like 15. And But there's five of us at home. And Mama would get us around that big chair. She read the Bible to us. She talked to us about God. She'd teach us to pray. You hear me? I grew up on faith, miracles, deliverance, healing. I grew up with God in my home. And people don't grow up with God. Even Christians, confessing Christians, don't grow up with God in their home anymore. They grow up in chaos. They grow up in vexation, aggravation, everything of the world, but nothing about God. Nothing about God. And the Lord told me here several months back, He said, quit letting kids' minds Go to all this magic stuff. He said, teach them the Word of God. Y'all want to get excited about something magical? Get excited about Joshua causing the sun and the moon to stand still. Get excited about the walls of Jericho coming down. Get excited about the Red Sea opening. Get excited about them throwing a man named Daniel in a den of lions and the angel of the Lord coming down to lock his jaws. Teach your kids that. Don't teach them garbage. Don't teach them magic. Don't teach them junk. Teach them about the true and the living God. And then when they get older, they got something to hold on to. Because I'm going to tell you something. Magic's fantasy. Magic don't work. And it's magic and witchcraft and sorcery that's going to cause people to go in the wrong belief and the wrong religion. Because the Lord doesn't show me these things everywhere. When the Lord started showing me this darkness, He showed me uh, the spirit of sorcery has worked its way into the Pentecostal movement, and people don't even know it. 
said preachers have started out, started out with miracles and healings and gifts and deliverance. He said they're now operating by witchcraft and divination. And said people can't discern the difference. The preachers don't even know the difference. Because they quit praying, they quit seeking God, and now they're working miracles by divination. Now they're working miracles by sorcery. Just like Simeon done over in uh, Samaria when Philip went down there. Philip went down there and had great miracles. And he had to confront this man because for a long time, they thought they called this man a great man of God because he bewitched him with his sorceries. He had great miracles by, by sorcery. Moses was withstood by Janese and Jambres because they were the magicians. They could duplicate a lot of what Moses done, but there come to a point they couldn't duplicate him. When Elijah stood the prophets of Baal and the prophets that sat at Jezebel's table and he said, let the God that answers by fire be God, they said, ain't no problem for us. Why? They could do it with their magic, but they couldn't do it in the presence of a real God. But they would never agree to call fire down from heaven if they couldn't have done it. But the Spirit of God stopped it because God was going to show the people the difference. The people fixing the people that... I'm going to tell you, miracles, you can make people think you work miracles by magic. Now, they ain't going to do the kind of miracles we do. The Bible said they can call fire down from heaven. They can call fire down from heaven. Amen? So we better wake ourselves up because it's later than what you think. It's later than what you think. This thing's getting serious and it's getting in bad times. And I want to go to Luke, the fourth chapter. And I'm going to try to take my time today and, and, and really break this word down because there's, there's an experience in God we've never walked in. I've never walked in it, but I want it. How many of you want what God's got for you? You really want what God's got for you? Then you've got to come to a, a wisdom and understanding of some of the things God's done and what He's done to prepare us. You know, uh, Brother Michael Harris last, well, Friday night a week ago was at the meeting in Fort Payne, I guess in New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. I guess at New Year's Day he was in prayer. And the Lord spoke to him, and he said, My people are breach. And he didn't even know what that was. He got up testifying about it, and he thought it was like a, there's going to miscarry or something. And he said the word breach, and and... Uh, of course, his wife's a nurse, and Sister Kathy was there. And they started telling him, said, no, Brother Michael, breach is the baby's head's up. You know, when a baby comes to the place to be delivered, the head's supposed to be down. And that baby gets so big, you can't turn it in the womb. Not real easy. And he said, my people are breached. In other words, the head's up, and they ain't in a position to be birthed. That's what the Lord told him. And... He started talking, and the Lord's letting us know because the Lord's been telling us for a long time now. He's positioning us and conditioning us for a great move of God. And my son, up till what two weeks or a week before he was supposed to be born, she went and had a My son was breached, and I don't remember if I just prayed for her, if I laid hands on you. I don't remember, but huh? I was gone, but you called me and told me. And I told her, I said, he's going to turn. I went to prayer, and I told God. I said, you turn that baby. You put that head down. She went back next week, and that baby had turned. I mean, it put his head down. And, you know, babies get so big, they can't turn in the womb that easy. And every one of my kids was over eight pounds, so they're big babies. And Kristen was nine. She, matter of fact, she was nine, nine pounds, 11 ounces. Well, she's a big girl. 
And uh, that's a big baby. And I think the other two were either 8'11 or 8'13. So they're big babies. And there wasn't no room for him to turn, so God turned him. So God's trying to turn us and position us to be birthed into what he wants to birth us into. And I'm ready for something more than just good religion. Because good religion ain't never done nothing for me. And it ain't never done nothing for people so it make them feel good. And it's all right to feel good about God. But when you get in a place you need God to move, you need something more and feel good. Amen. You need something more and feel good. So uh, I'm going to try and take my time and break this down. And if there's ever something you don't understand, write it down. And say, Brother Metter, I need to talk to you about this. If I don't talk to you that day, because sometimes I just get wore out in service, I'll set a time to talk to you. Because I want you to understand. Because it's only by the grace of God, the mercy of God, that He's put this understanding in me. You can't do it in yourself. You can't, you can't understand this. And I didn't come to myself and tell myself that God was giving me the mysteries that He gave to the apostles in the New Testament. God come to me Himself by prophecy and told me that. So, I haven't done this in myself. I was sitting there studying. I, I studied from about 10 o'clock yesterday morning to about 7.30 last night. Just sat right there in that office. About the only thing I done is got up and got a sandwich. But I sat right there in front of that computer and I looked at Scripture after Scripture after Scripture and typed and retyped and erased and wrote and trying to get this thing down where people can understand it. And I told my wife, as I got to thinking and going back over some of the things God has privileged my eyes to see and my ears to hear, I, I said, you can't make this stuff up. I said, ain't no way to make this stuff up. There ain't no way to tell people that you saw Jesus and every time you see him go through a trial or a temptation or work a miracle, that it was like a spiritual DNA and him, the Holy Ghost, just began to come in. And come. How, you, you can't make that stuff up. You can't make stuff up like that, Brother Thomas. It takes God to reveal it. And I said, man, they, I, I said, you can't make this stuff up. God is revealing something. And when he reveals it, he wants you to have it. Amen. He wants you to have it. He wants you to understand. Because if you have a hunger for God and you understand what God's revealing, then you have an opportunity to possess it. But if you don't understand what God's doing, how are you going to possess it? You got to see it. You got to hear it. You got to understand it. It's got to get in your spirit. See, I'm passionate about the kingdom. I'm passionate about it. Because God's revealed it in here. And I don't care about basketball. I don't care about, I don't care about sports, man. Some of these preachers, every time I turn around, they're on Facebook posting something about sports, about a ball game, about this, about that, about something out in the world. I don't know nothing about it. Don't know nothing about it. Somebody said something to, to me about a, a TV show. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, you remember it come off that movie. I, I said, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> he said, really? I said, let me tell you something. From the time I got saved in 72 to the time we got our first house and settled down in 88, and that's what, 16 years, something like that? I said, I didn't have a TV. Didn't know what TV, didn't watch TV. Didn't have time to watch TV. I was too busy 
fasting, praying, studying, and preaching. Just didn't. And we got the kids and got settled down and they started school and I think somebody give us one, but didn't have one. Hard to get a TV in a travel trailer. <laughs> one of any size anyway. But I said, I don't know about all that stuff. So for 16 years, I don't, don't know nothing about the music, don't know nothing about, just don't know about that stuff. Everything I heard, I heard on the news. Because it kept my heart and my mind on Jesus. Amen. Kept my mind on Jesus. That's why I try to keep it now. Keep my mind on Jesus. Hallelujah. From Luke, the fourth chapter, in I know there's some things in these notes that I'll touch, but there's some things that I probably don't have in there because we try to print these out Saturday night or Sunday morning. Sometimes on the way down the road, the Lord deal with me coming up here, and I'll add something else to it. So, but I hope y'all are taking these and studying them because they will help you. They will help you. And it gives you an idea of how God's talking to me because I, I put my thoughts down how God's talking to me. And he may not talk to you like he talks to me, but all I can do is put my thoughts out there. I can't put your thoughts out there because I don't know how you think. <laughs> but I know how God reveals it to me. So from Luke, the fourth chapter, in the first and second verse, and Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. Now I'm not going to go any farther on that right there, but I, this is something the Lord just brought to my mind. I wasn't even meditating on it or thinking about it. But you think right here, Jesus had just been baptized by John. The Spirit of God had come on him, and filled him. And John saw it as a dove. So he would know that this was he that was baptized with the Holy Ghost. It set up on whom you see the Spirit sending and remain. And God created the image of a dove. Because Holy Ghost is Spirit. You ain't going to see it. Y'all with me? So here Jesus was, full of the Holy Ghost. Just been baptized. But yet here the Spirit was leading into the wilderness to be tempted of Satan for 40 days and 40 nights. Now if y'all get everything y'all need in the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is what people tell you. That's what people believe. They got everything they needed when, when, when they got the Holy Ghost. And they got what it takes to overcome sin. They got what it takes to overcome the devil. They got what it takes to live right. But yet, the Son of God here was full of the Holy Ghost. But he had to go in that wilderness for a reason. It wasn't just receiving the Holy Ghost. It wasn't just having the Spirit either come in him or on him. And it says he was full, so it came in him. So there's something else he had to do. Am I making sense to anybody? But yet, we think we get the Holy Ghost say a few words in tongues. Baby, that's it. We got it. You got what it takes to live right. You got what it takes to live holy. You got what it takes to cast out devils. You got what it takes to heal the sick. Well, if you got it, then what did you get that Jesus didn't get? I'm going to try to make you think today. 
Because people tell you, I got the Holy Ghost. Really? Yeah, I've, I've spoken tongues, Brother Matter. I got the Holy Ghost. Okay, that's good. But what have you got? What really have you got living in you? And I'm not being critical. I just want you to examine yourselves. What is our knowledge of the Holy Ghost? When we get it, what does it do? What is it? How does it work in you? How does it take control in your life? Have you ever stopped and thought about it? Just what is it? You've got the Holy Ghost, says Susie. You've got the Spirit of God. Says Kathy. Do you need more than what you've got? But most people won't confess that. They'll tell you, I got it. That's what I used to tell people in Alabama when I started preaching that there was something deeper in God that we had to have. Well, Brother Manor, I got the Holy Ghost. I said, you got the Holy Ghost. I said, one, because you talk in tongues. Two, God might have used you somewhere for healings or you might have been used by the gifts. I said, so by that happening, you're confessing that you got the Holy Ghost. I said, so when you believe you've got it, you won't seek for anything else. When you believe you've got all there is of God that you need, and it happened by that one experience, you're not going to seek for anything else. And people have quit seeking. They've settled down in what they've got, And I'm going to tell you something. You might get filled. But you go out and use what God's put in you. It's coming out of you. It's coming out of you. And you're going to be filled again. In about the first four chapters of the book of Acts, the disciples were filled at least twice. In the fourth chapter, they went into that house and they said, Lord, behold their threatenings. And grant unto thy servants boldness that we may do miracles in the name and stretch forth thy hand and do miracles in the name of thy holy child Jesus. And the Bible says in the place where they prayed was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. These were people that were filled in Acts 2. Now they've been filled again in Acts 4. Jesus himself come out of that water baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. But I'm going to tell you something. When they got to Mount Transfiguration... And the Spirit of God sat down on him and he illuminated and lit up. He got something else. There was two or three different places where Jesus got something else. What did he get? Something greater than what he had because the Spirit of God just coming on you or filling you up. Are you understanding what I'm saying? It's not giving you all that you need. It didn't give him all he needed and he was the, he was the born Son of God. He called himself the Son of Man, but he was birthed by the Holy Ghost overshadowing Mary, conceiving a, a, a seed in her womb, and he was brought forth a flesh and blood and bone baby boy. He was human. Well, y'all want to admit that or not? If you don't understand that Jesus was a man and he conquered sin in the flesh and showed us how to do it, you ain't never going to get what I'm preaching 
If you don't understand he was made like us, that we can be made like him, you ain't never going to get this. Because the Bible says in Hebrews 2.16 that he didn't take on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. And it behooved him or pleased him in all things to be made just like us, Brother Kevin. He didn't want to be made different. He didn't want to come down here as a, as a man full of God, and he didn't. But that's what the church teaches. And they take everything and they put it way up here that you can't attain it. They set Jesus up so high that if you don't come to the understanding of him, you'll never believe you can be made like him. You just won't believe you can be made like him because the church sets him up so high. They don't want the church to obtain power. They don't. I've seen preachers stand up in churches and pastor churches and tell people, if God's going to move in this church, He's going to move through me. If there are going to be miracles, I'm going to do them. There are going to be any prophecy, there are going to be healing, there are going to be deliverance. It's coming through me. You just sit there and be quiet. You just sit there and learn. Everything God wants to give you is coming through the pastor. And there's churches that will teach you, don't you go out to another church. Don't you leave this doctrine. Don't you leave this denomination. I don't care if it's just to go for a revival. If God's got anything to you, He'll send it right here. Or He'll send it to another church affiliated with us. It's all right you go to a church that's of our affiliation or our denomination. But don't you go out there to somebody don't believe like we believe. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And they box their people in. And most of them never know the reality of God, the power of God, or the dominion of God because it ain't taught in that church. It ain't taught. So here Jesus got full of the Holy Ghost. But he still had to go in that wilderness. Does anybody know why he went in that wilderness? The Bible says be tempted of the devil for 40 days. Well, what would the devil tempt? Tempted his flesh. See, he was man. He had been baptized. Now, I'm going to explain something right here. And he was full of the Holy Ghost. Just because you fill a glass full, y'all see that glass sitting right there? You ain't going to get much more in that. I mean, that's full. Amen. That's full. And I've done this demonstration before, and I might need to do it up here, but I can take two glasses like that with hot water. And they're both got the same quantity in them. But I can take tea bags, and I can put a tea bag in one, put a tea bag in the other, it'll start steeping. But then I'll add a tea bag, and then a tea bag, and then a tea bag, and a tea bag, and leave one glass with just one tea bag in it. This one over here is going to get stronger. Measure doesn't always just mean quantity, it can mean strength. It can mean strength. So Jesus was full of the Holy Ghost, but he didn't have the fullness of God. Now, am I making sense to you? Though he was full, you ever had a weak cup of coffee? Anybody ever had a strong cup of coffee? It can be the same quantity, but different quality. I love to go to Cracker Barrel to eat, but I hate their tea. Because you order a glass of tea, and it looks like colored water. And usually you have to go through about four glasses of tea before that tea starts getting any color to it. 
And one time waitress brought me a glass of tea, and I could see through it like colored water. I mean, there were, it just it didn't have no strength or color to it at all. I said, ma'am, I ordered a glass of tea. She said, I said, that ain't a glass of tea. I said, y'all go back there and check see if y'all got any tea bags or y'all got some tea. I said, because that ain't a glass of tea. I said, it don't even taste like tea. Tastes like yucky colored water. I said, I want some tea, because I like good iced tea. Anybody like good iced tea? So, there's a difference between Jesus, when he had the, was full of the Holy Ghost, then where he reached the point, he had the fullness of God living in him. So just being full of the Holy Ghost don't mean you had the fullness or the strength or all there was to God. It's just like getting a weak cup of coffee and then turn around later and getting a strong cup of coffee. Same measure, but different strengths. And measure can mean strength. I think I've done this at Victory Hollow one night. The Lord gave me that years ago and I've done it and I think I need to preach on it up here because Paul wrote and said that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Not just filled with God, but filled with all the fullness of God. So, y'all with me that far? Alright, let's go down to verse 18. Now, I don't know if I've got this wrote in the notes or not, but anyway, we're going to, y'all just have to try to find it because we're going to go with where i got to go by the Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now I'm going over to Acts the 10th chapter and I'm going to put this verse in here. I can quote it but I want to get to it. Acts 10 and 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. See he just didn't give him the Holy Ghost. He gave him the Holy Ghost and power. Y'all following with me? How you anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And this, I, I, let's go to Hebrews 2 and 4. And I'll throw that one in. I'll put that one. I won't throw it. I'll put it in. Excuse me, Lord. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. Hebrews 2 and verse 4. God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with great and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. So Luke 4 talks about preaching the gospel, healing the brokenhearted, preaching deliverance to the captive, preaching recovering of sight to the blind, that's spiritual. And to set at liberty them that are bruised. That's talking about people been wounded or bruised by preachers that's hurt them or they've been wounded, you know, somewhere in their walk with God. And every one of us knows somebody that's been wounded by religion and we've had it happen to us. 
We've got confidence in people. We've got confidence in things. And then we've had them let us down. That's why you don't need to get your eyes on man. Do not follow me. Follow me as I follow Christ. If I ever quit following Christ, don't have nothing to do with me. But if I follow Christ, then you follow me. Paul said, you follow me as I follow Christ. That word follow right there means to imitate. So you imitate me as I imitate Christ. Or as I put on Christ, as I put on Jesus, as I put on the Christ, Paul said, then you follow me and you do what I'm doing in following Christ. In imitating Christ, you do what I'm doing. But see here, Jesus was, he had, uh, he had the Holy Ghost and he had the ability or the gifts to do all these things. Then you go to Acts 10, 38. says, How God anointed. Well, Luke 4 and 18, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because it hath anointed me. So the anointing was upon him. Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that was oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Hebrews 2, verse 4. How God bear them witness with signs, wonders, and diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost as you yourselves also know. So, that right there gives us an understanding of the baptism of the Holy Ghost coming into our lives, what it will do, how it will manifest, how it will reveal itself, what we can do being anointed by the Holy Ghost, if we're submitted to God, if we're obedient to His voice, and that's God's will, these things will work to us. In other words, the, the tongues, the gifts, the uh, uh, anointing, the miracles, the healing, the shout, the whatever you want to call it, whatever people have uh, uh, talked about about the Holy Ghost. When people say, I've got the Holy Ghost, it's mostly because they've talked in tongues. Or said a few syllables in tongues. And they, because the church has taught them, that's initial evidence. Initial evidence of the Holy Ghost with me is the fruit. But we're fixing to get into something different here. So, when I was praying Saturday morning a week ago on January the 2nd, at the church in Fort Payne, man, I mean, I was caught up in the spirit of prayer. We had a good spirit of prayer going, didn't we? I mean, spirit was flowing. Then all of a sudden, I just stopped. <laughs> Brother Michael said, when you stopped, it's like you sucked all the air out of the room. <laughs> said, shouldn't have been. He said, I know, but when you stopped praying, he said, everybody else quit praying. I said, that ain't, that ain't the way people ought to pray, and that ain't the way I teach folks to pray. But the reason I stopped praying... Is I heard a voice. I heard the voice of the Lord. And this is what he told me. Baptized in the Holy Ghost in tongues of fire is different than being baptized into his death. I heard that. I heard that. In the Spirit, I heard that. It wasn't audible like God spoke to me audible sometimes. But I heard it in the Spirit. Baptized in the Holy Ghost in tongues of fire. That's what God told me. He didn't leave out the tongues of fire. He put it in there. 
And that's something that this church is yet to experience. I'm talking about this church age. I ain't just talking about us here. I'm talking about this church age here has never experienced baptism in the Holy Ghost and tongues of fire. I had a vision in 93 of God pouring the Holy Ghost out in tongues of fire. And at that time, my boy was three years old, four years old. And I seen college kids in a dormitory get baptized in the Holy Ghost. And he was in college when he got saved. And I never thought about that vision coming to pass in his day. But I saw college kids, I saw cloven tongues of fire set on them, and they ain't never done nothing for God. And I seen them get out, go out on the street and start preaching, prophesying, laying hands on the sick, casting out devils. I mean, something come in. So the Lord told me that being baptized in the Holy Ghost in tongues of fire, he said, is different than being baptized into Jesus' death. And buddy, when, I, when the Lord spoke that to me, I just stopped. <laughs> and I said in my spirit, I said, What? Did I hear what I thought I just heard? And that spirit spoke to me again. He said, Being baptized in the Holy Ghost in tongues of fire is different than being baptized into his death. And it takes a bold statement. Especially put it in black and white. See, when God speaks to me, I ain't got nothing to hide. <laughs> I ain't got nothing to hide. Because I'll stand on what God tells me. I always have. always will. I've told people, I said, if I speak to you by the Spirit of God, it's money in the bank. You can stand on it. You can take it to the bank. You can hold on to it. Because it's remotely impossible as it seems. It'll happen. If you do what God tells you. It'll happen. It's just like when y'all was here with me the Sunday before Thanksgiving and I prayed for Crystal Grass coming here on that walker. God grew that short leg out and told her that was the beginning of her healing. Well, she, she drug herself out of here walking on that walker dragging them feet. How many, well, who all was here? I mean, she drug herself out of here. Now she sent me a video. She's standing up on a cane, taking steps with nobody helping her. She's taking steps, Lord Thomas, on that cane with nobody helping her. Because God told her. Well, I prayed for her when she was like four years old, back in 83, 84. She had several policy then. God brought her a long way then. She got married, had kids. But he never healed her. Why? Her miracle is for this day. To be a witness. To be a witness. Amen. So now the Lord has told us there's something different. The Lord's told us there's another baptism. Woo-wee. <laughs> What'd you say, Brother Matt? I said there's another baptism. Are y'all with me today? Am I getting too far out of sync for y'all? Are y'all going to go with me? <laughs> Let's go to Mark, the 10th chapter. Mark. 
my wife walked in the office, and so when at Fort Payne, when God spoke to me, I, I tried to pray a few minutes. I couldn't, man. My mind's going crazy. I had to get up and go back to the office and start studying Scripture because everything God had put in my spirit Friday night, I was going to preach Saturday morning because I walked the aisles and ministered Friday night, and God wrought great deliverance. I mean, church is almost full in Fort Payne Friday night, and God wrought great deliverance and touched a lot of lives. So what God gave me for Friday night, I was planning on preaching Saturday morning, had my scripture smart, ready to preach and everything. And when God started speaking to me, bro, Kevin, I had to go change everything. So I got back there and started studying. My wife walked in the office, and I said, you better get in the saddle, grab the reins, tie yourself in, and hang on. I said, because here I go again. She says, oh, God. Here we go again. I'm fixing to preach something they'd never been preached. And I don't remember the date, but I got it wrote down somewhere. But Sister Sheila Austin called me. This probably been a year ago. Would you say? She called me and she said, Brother Metter, she said, I, and they were praying at the church there in Savannah two or three hours a day. And she said, I was here in prayer in Savannah. And she said, God spoke to me about you. And he gave me the second chapter of Galatians. And said that Paul, I believe it was after 14 years. Y'all just hold you. Fingers right there in Mark 10. I'll jump over here to Galatians 1 and 2. Man, I love it when I can just take my time and expound the Word. I need me one of them Bibles where I can tell it where to open. It'll just open. I'm going to have to spend all this time looking for Scripture. Okay. Galatians 2, verse 1. Then 14 years after, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, and I took Titus with me also. And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. She said, Brother Matter, I saw you go up to Jerusalem, which is the church, by revelation and said God had given you a revelation of the word. She said that changed the course of the church. That absolutely confounded the church. And I'm going to tell you something. This could be part of it. This right here could be part of it. Because when you start preaching another baptism, other than what people have had, because everybody tell you, there ain't but one. Well, there might be only one, but there's different measures, offices, and administrations, and gifts and callings of that one Holy Ghost. Amen? I mean, God right now has told me I'm an apostle. I have operated as a teacher, a pastor, an evangelist, and a prophet. God told me that in a prophecy. I didn't realize I'd even operated in the prophet's ministry, but God told me I had. And I've had God speak things to me that's come to pass many times. And inside of me, there's nine gifts of the Spirit. All nine of them can work. They're in operation in my life. It takes a different function of the Spirit to use each one of them gifts it takes a different anointing and a calling to minister in those five different offices, but it's all the same Spirit. So there can be a baptism of the Spirit 
of Christ that we've never received. And this is what the Lord is trying to tell us. Because when you go back and you look at what we call the Holy Ghost, everything is the operational gifts. Everything is signs, everything is wonders, everything is miracles, everything is speaking gifts, or, or everything is outward manifestation. Y'all understand what I'm saying? And we all know, and every one of us can confess, that we have a earnest or we have a baptism of the Holy Ghost. Most of us can confess that. Is anybody in here, you, about everybody can confess you got the Holy Ghost, can't you? Or some measure of it? But we've never had that part of the Holy Ghost that would kill the sin nature. Because we've always had to fight with it. We've always had to fight with it. Still fight with it. I still fight with it. You still fight with it. Don't matter how much you fast and pray. Doesn't matter how much you fast and pray. Justin's done a lot of fasting. I've done a lot of fasting. Some of y'all might have done a lot of fasting. But here a while back, he was talking about, I wish you'd pray for me going to fast. I said, but Justin, don't need to go on fast. There's nothing wrong with buffeting yourself. There's nothing wrong with, uh, you know, some fasting and prayer. It helps keep your flesh buffeted. And if y'all want to know what buffeted means, where Paul used it, it means to hit with a fist, to rap with the knuckles. So when Paul talked about buffeting his body, he was saying that, there come times and God will just wrap me with his knuckles. <laughs> God just chasing me for getting out. And fasting does. It helps kill the carnality. But it don't keep it there. It don't keep it there. Because I fasted to the point of death two or three different times. I mean, if it hadn't been for mercies of God, they'd have buried me. Because I didn't have no wisdom. I didn't have no understanding. And I mean, you go, don't ever go 40 days if God don't lead you to. Because there's a couple of times I've been 60 plus. And if it hadn't been for the mercies of God, I'd have been dead man. But God had mercy on my ignorance. He saw my determination. Saw my heart to seek Him. Saw me pressing for something. Because I told God one time, I said, if you don't give me something to help people, I ain't, I ain't going to eat till you do. And Lord took me at my word. I started fasting on 4th of September and didn't eat the second week of November. And I mean, I got bad, Brother Thomas. I got to where if I drank anything, I just throw green bile up out of my... I, I couldn't drink none, couldn't even drink a glass of water. Got bad, but the Lord visited me. And when the Lord visited me, everything changed. Y'all hear me? But that's where the miracles and deliverance was born in me. was in that time of seeking God. God really birthed something in me and brought me into this faith and deliverance and miracles. I was having healings. This is when God brought that positive faith into me. But I don't, I don't advise anybody to fast beyond what Jesus done if God puts you in a 40-day fast. Most of us are going to do like 3 or 7, or we might do a 14 every now and then. We might do a 21. But, man, when I first got saved, I was doing 5 or 6 21-day fast a year. You know what I'm talking about, Brother Judge. You got that same hunger. He got that same, and that's all we knew. But now we know different. We know better. And it's not in the fasting. Because you fast until you're carnal man. And you do. You, you get on into a fast and your spiritual man will come alive. You lose your carnal thoughts to a point. And it's just like your spirit man is just thriving. But you eat. And I've reached a place in a fast. I knew it was time for me to break that fast and time for me to eat. And I hated to eat. 
because I knew just as soon as I ate, that carnal man was going to stick his head up, and I'm going to be ready to smack him. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? But see, that carnal man, he'd always come back alive. The second you start feeding him, he'd start coming alive. And we've never reached that place and never had that baptism of the Spirit to put this natural man to death. We've never had it. But Paul taught about it in Romans. And he started in Romans 6. Y'all hear me? He started teaching about it. And people, there's a lot of people ain't going to receive this. Well, the matter, you're preaching another baptism. I'm preaching one Spirit of God. But this is a different level. It's a different manifestation. Are you hearing me? Well, you can't have two different things like that. Oh, you can't. What about the tree of knowledge of good and evil God planted in the garden? It had good and evil. It bore two fruits. Did y'all know y'all can bear two fruits? <laughs> y'all can bear knowledge of good. But you can also bear the knowledge of evil. Amen. So don't tell me. <laughs> Can't bear two fruits. Tree of knowledge of good and evil bore two fruits. And people still eating of the wrong tree. They ain't eating of the tree of life. People still eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Because all, all knowledge contains good and it can contain evil. Am I making sense to y'all? So, see the Lord... Is wanting to get us conditioned for something. All right, from Mark 10, and then from here I'll probably go to Romans 6. And I'm only going to preach as long as I feel led by the Spirit of God because I'm not going to just preach and preach. And I can sit here all day and talk about this. I can preach about this for hours and hours and hours and, and then turn around and do it again. Why? It's become part of me. Y'all may not understand that, but this thing's become part of me. From Mark 10, 35. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. And he said unto them, What would ye that I should do for you? Then said he unto them, Grant, then said they unto him, Grant unto us, that we may sit one on thy right hand and the other on thy left hand in thy glory or in thy kingdom. But Jesus said unto them, You know not what ye ask. Can ye drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, We can. And Jesus said unto them, You shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of and with the baptism that I am baptized withal, ye shall be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it was or it is prepared. Now we read this, and it talks, uh, Jesus is talking to them about a baptism. He's talking to them about can you drink of a cup that I'm going to drink of? The only cup that Jesus talks about. That was set before him. Was he was going to the cross. And he wasn't just going to the cross. 
He was going to become sin. He was going to become the sin sacrifice. He was going to go to the pits of hell and be tormented and pay. You understand what I'm saying? So he didn't say, can you be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? And he was talking about after his resurrection. He said, but can you drink of this cup? Are y'all with me? The only way you're going to drink of the cup that Jesus drank of is you're going to come into your knowledge and wisdom and understanding when His Spirit comes in you, you're going to understand what He went through. Because ain't none of you physically going to go through the death He went through. And you mentally and spiritually ain't going to face the sufferings and the torments He faced. You ain't going to do it. It ain't required of you. Because He paid for it. Y'all understand? He paid for this, but He said, Yet, you're still going to experience what I experienced in your mind and in your knowledge and understanding. You're going to understand what I went through. So can you drink of this cup? Can you understand and can I reveal this to you without you losing it? Y'all understand what I'm saying? Because he went through torment. He suffered. Amen? He suffered the Pangs of death. He suffered the horrors of hell. Anybody with me? Psalms 118. And verse, I'm sorry, 116. Excuse me. Verse 1. I love the Lord because He hath heard my voice and my supplication. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I, will I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death compass me, and the pains of hell got hold upon me, and I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord, O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. In another place, and I don't have all these marks, but he said the, the sorrows of ungodly men flooded about me. So where was he? He was there with the transgressors. He was there suffering the horrors of hell. And you need to understand this if you're going to be able to drink of this cup. If you're going to be able to be baptized into the baptism that he was talking about here, he wasn't talking about being baptized in the Holy Ghost, Brother Thomas. He was talking about being, them being baptized in the baptism that brought his spiritual death and his physical death, but then brought life. He said, he said I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring a baptism. He said, that may bring death to you. It's going to bring death to me, but then it's going to birth life in me. And he said, can you come to the knowledge of this, of what I went through, what I faced, how I was tormented, all the anguish, all the hell, all the sorrow, all the torments. And he said, I had to hold on to God's word to know that I was coming out. He was pressed to the end of his mental ability. Are you hearing me? He went to the end of his mental ability and he called on God uh, through all this, not knowing with everything that was around him, uh, accusing him, condemning him, uh, tormenting him and persecuting him. Uh, he didn't know if he was coming out uh, except he held on to the word. He said, can you face this? I can ask y'all today. 
Can you drink of the cup? <laughs> you better ask yourself this question. Can you drink of the cup that he drank of? And can you be baptized with a baptism? He said, this that I'm going to be baptized with, then I'm going to send back. See, he sent it back in a measure to the early church. They didn't get all of it. They got enough of it that they loved not their lives unto death. Are y'all hearing me? They got a measure of it. But they had to be able to understand what they were getting themselves into. The baptism of the Holy Ghost in tongues of fire, healings, gifts, miracles, deliverance, tongues, prophecy, interpretation, the nine gifts of the Spirit, mending the brokenhearted, setting at liberty them that are bruised, preaching deliverance to the captive. We can do that. We can face that. We can have that work working in us. But can we reach that place that we're baptized into the baptism of his death and experienced what he experienced? What got quiet in here? <laughs> this reason God ain't going to reveal this to very many. He ain't going to reveal this to very many. And there are people going to go off and say, that brother Matter's gone crazy. He's gone off deep end. He's he preaching something crazy. Now, God's trying to get you ready. He's trying to get you positioned to birth. <laughs> and what you going to birth you're going to begin to birth the Christ. Because when you talk about the manifestation of the Christ, you're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. You're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. You're talking about the mind of Christ. Amen. You're talking about knowing and understanding. Philippians 2 and 5, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Galatians 5, 22, The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Meekness, gentleness, goodness, and love against such there is no law. And then you go on in the kindness, the tenderheartedness. Amen. The patience. We don't have these attributes. But neither do we have power to rise above this body of sin. It's still active in us. But there's a baptism. And Jesus is asking us today Can you be baptized? with the baptism that he wants to bring. I'm not talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That ain't what I'm talking about. All of us have an earnest of that. We have a measure of that. Because that's what anoints us and that's how God uses us. It's the baptism of the Holy Ghost in tongues of fire. We've got the measure of it. Amen? But he's asking a question. He said, can you? Are you willing are you ready? Are you positioned to be baptized in the baptism? Boy, y'all got quiet on me, didn't you? That's something to think about. Because see what I tell people, salvation don't cost you nothing. I remember, I don't remember what year it was, but we got an opening like this at our church that comes in the sanctuary in Fort Payne. Our sound booth is on this side. Y'all been there, y'all know. Well, one New Year's Eve, standing right there at that door. I saw Jesus walk in. Saw him in the Spirit. He said, salvation don't cost you nothing. He said, I paid for your salvation. It's free. He said, but this kingdom, he said, it's going to cost you. This kingdom going to cost you. You ain't going to get in this and turn around. 
You ain't going to get in this and back up. You put out an advisory? I'm fixing to put out an advisory. You continue on in this and press for this and desire this and seek for this, you're going to come to the place that if you willfully sin, there remaineth no more repentance. You come to the place of the powers of the world to come. Just go to Hebrews 6 and I'll read it to you. Ooh, Brother Meadow, you just throw cold water on the service. No, you better be aware of what you're doing. I ain't going to let none of you make a decision uninformed. If you do, your blood's on my hands and y'all ain't. Y'all with me? Hebrews 6. Look, y'all just settle down. Don't get in a hurry. Because if I let you out too quick, all the restaurants going to be full anyway. So just, just, Hebrews 6 and verse 4. For, is it, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. See, we ain't got there yet. We've had a little bit of it, but we ain't, we ain't got what Paul's talking about here, but we're fixing to head into it. The fullness of the Holy Ghost has not been given. Because the fullness of the Holy Ghost is going to include this. And what I'm preaching on this baptism and the death of Christ, I believe it's the latter rain. I believe it's the fullness of God. I really do. I believe it's the latter rain. Because everybody's looking for the latter rain to be more like the former rain, just more of it. You're always going to shout more, talk in tongues more, prophesy more, have more miracles. So see, people are looking for the latter rain to be more of the former rain. That's why they're going, the Lord told me folks are going to miss it. Folks, God told me folks are going to miss the latter rain of the Holy Ghost because they ain't going to recognize it because they want it to look like the former rain. It's like the Lord told me about Elijah. Elijah went and stood in the mouth of the cave. Big fire come by, rent the rocks, burn everything up. Said God wasn't in the fire. Earthquake. Come by, shook everything. God wasn't in the earthquake. Now like a strong wind come by. And just beat everything to pieces. Said God wasn't in the wind, he wasn't in the fire, and he wasn't in the earthquake. But then standing there, he heard this still, small voice. So holy that he took his cape or his mantle and he wrapped his face in it. And God spoke to him and said, what you doing here, Elijah? He felt that presence of God. God said, people are going to be looking for God in the big move. And they're going to miss him. Because he's going to come in that still, small voice. See, the latter rain ain't more of the former rain. The latter rain, I'm telling you, it's going to bring the nature of Christ. The Holy Ghost and fire does not bring the nature. Woo! Did anybody hear me? Brother Kevin, was you raised in church? Have you heard people stand up and testify, I got the Holy Ghost. I quit smoking, I quit drinking, I quit chewing, I quit dipping, I quit running with women. Y'all heard that? You heard that, says Susie? They quit all these natural vices 
But God never changed their nasty nature. They still was full of bitterness. Envy, jealousy, strife, iniquity. <laughs> Rebellious, hard-headed, stubborn. Won't listen, can't be taught. Won't let God get envy, bitterness out of them, strife, jealousy. Always dividing, always being argumentative. What is that? That's the works of the flesh. In other words, the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire has come down and God has used us to do great things. What did Samson do? When the city laid with a harlot, got up, shook himself, come out, picked up the gates of the city and walked off with them. Did he not? He'd go sleep with a harlot, live ungodly, shake himself, take a job on him and ask, kill a thousand Philistines. But that, to kill carnality and destroy the man of sin, it's never been there. God has used us by the power of the Holy Ghost. He's used us in faith, miracle. Well, can't nobody God uses like that. Be unclean. Yeah, you can. <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. Why do you think Jesus said there's coming a day that all you that holler Lord, Lord and do not what I say you're going to stand before me and you're going to say Lord have we not prophesied in thy name have we not cast out devils in thy name have we not done wonderful works in thy name he said depart from me you workers of iniquity you know why they were never baptized into the Christ they might have had the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the gifts God may have had them called and anointed for something. But there's a difference in the baptism of the Holy Ghost in tongues of fire than being baptized into the death of Christ. Are y'all understanding? You better believe God's talking to us today. And I'm telling you, y'all better make a choice. Because you ain't going to get into this and start understanding this and then you willfully turn away. Mm-mm. He said it's going to be impossible to find a place of repentance. When he starts revealing this to you, you let your carnality hang on, you let this ungodliness hang on to you, and you don't let God start changing you, and you start sitting under this, and you start seeking God to understand this, and he starts revealing it to you. He said, uh-uh. He said, you've tasted of this, you've been made partakers of this. He said, There's going to, you're going to reach a place that's going to be impossible to repent if you decide you don't want to go on. That's the reason Jesus said, better make a choice. Better make a choice. Because all those men that done all them great works, say, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not cast out devils in thy name? Have we not done many wonderful works in thy name? And what Jesus tell them? Depart from me. You workers of iniquity, I never knew you. All you had was an anointing. All you done was seek me for an anointing. You didn't seek me to be baptized into my death. You didn't seek me to be changed. You didn't seek me to become like me. You didn't seek me to become intimate with me because when you come intimate with me, we're going to become one and you're going to put on my nature. You're going to put on my mind. You're going to put on my death. You're going to put on my spirit. You're going to put on my life. And what you produce, what I put in you, and, and you put it out there, you're going to reproduce me. And you ain't reproducing me. Having a miracle don't reproduce Christ. Healing the blind don't reproduce Christ. Casting out devils don't reproduce Christ. 
preaching to 75,000 in India and seeing 50,000 saved don't reproduce Christ. But the baptism into his death causes you to be planted in the likeness of his death and raised in the newness of life. In other words, you become new. You put on the likeness of the Christ, not the Jesus, the Christ. Are y'all with me? This is where I'm going. I may have to become like Jesus before I become like the Christ. But I'm going to get there. That's the next rung in the ladder. It's putting on Jesus. That the life of Jesus might be made manifest where? In our mortal flesh. We've got to reach that place. But I ain't stopping there. I ain't stopping there. See, I done seen something different. When he told me in 2006, Brother Thomas, about the resurrected life of Christ, he said, do you want to be like I was? He said, do you want to be as I am? I had to scratch my head a little bit, Brother Inc. Brother Elder, I had, to, I had to scratch my head and say, huh? Yeah. Do you want to be as I am? Or do you want to be as I was? I said, I want to be as you are. Right now. Not like you was. But see, that's all I'd been preached. When I come up, the manifested sons of God was preached as being as Jesus was when he walked this earth. Since that time, the Lord's told me, that's the ministry of the Son of Man. The ministry of the sons, the manifested sons of God is the fullness of the Christ. Like he is after the resurrection as he is now. That's that manifestation in the fullness living in you. That's the manifested sons of God. Shall eyeballs hit tilt yet? <laughs> There's a lot to this. You can't just preach this in one service. And I'm hitting the top of the waves. Your waves about 30 foot tall. I'm just skimming the tops of them. When I start getting down in the depths of them waves, just like I did a while ago, and said, y'all better think about this. Do you really want to be baptized into his death? Better count the cost, because there ain't no going back. There ain't no turning around. There ain't no going back. There ain't no going back. Don't ask for this. And then turn around and try to walk away from it. I'm going to tell you something. God will hurt you. You know what he told him in Joshua's day? When Joshua said, As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Joshua told him, said, If you serve God, and then you, he's blessed you, took care of you, prospered you, conquered your enemies, and then you turn, said, God will hurt you. God will hurt you. Try to turn Joshua 24. He said, he said God will hurt you. You ever read Isaiah? I believe it's 63. Where said the Lord fought for them, delivered them from their enemies was good to him, delivered him, and then they turned and lied to him. And he said, and God turned and became their enemy. You don't want God to turn and become your enemy. That's the reason I tell people, leave this word alone. You don't understand, leave it alone. Because you ain't fighting against me. You're fighting against this kingdom. You're fighting against what's being revealed. Leave us alone. Because you really fight against this kingdom. And you're fighting against what God wants to do in people's lives. God will hurt you. Brother Meadow won't hurt you. Brother Meadow loves you. Brother Meadow will pray for you. Brother Meadow will pray for God to bring you into this. 
But you start fighting this and you turn and you... God will become your enemy. You better read that word and know what it says. It said, God, and God turned and became their enemy. It said, I believe it's in Isaiah 63. I'm not sure what verse. But it says, and God turned and became their enemy. The people he had blessed, the people he had delivered, the people he had prospered, the people he took out of slavery and raised up, they lied to him. They lied to him. Amen? So don't think that you can become partakers of this, that you can taste of the gift and be made partakers of the heavenly calling. And have tasted the good word. Is it Isaiah 63 and verse 10? Let me slip back over. I hope y'all are enjoying this because I'm just putting this out here as God gives it to me. And I believe God wants us to understand. Amen. How many of y'all believe God wants you to understand this word? That he's not trying to just slide something in on you blindfolded. Because when God, God started taking the cover off this and now it belongs to all right, let's go back to verse 8. For he said, Surely there are my people, children that will not lie. So he was their Savior. In all their afflictions he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity he redeemed them, and he bare them and carried them all the days of old. But they rebelled and vexed his Holy Spirit. Therefore he was turned to be their enemy, and he fought against them. Y'all see that? So God can do you good while you're serving Him. But then He can also do you hurt if you walk away from Him. Amen. He can do you hurt. So let's, let's stay with Him. Let's stay with what God's doing. All right. I am going now to Romans. And I'm probably just going to have to take Romans 6 next week. But... I'll give, you, I'll give you a couple things to think about. Romans 6. Going to verse 3. Or you can start at verse 1 either way, but I'm going to start at verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like his Christ, now listen to this, that like his Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. All right, let's go back to verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Now stop and ask yourself, what does that mean? What does it mean to be baptized into his death? Because it's not the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Not as we understand the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the tongues, the power, the gifts. It's not that. It's something totally different. So there is a baptism that will baptize us into his death. And once we're baptized into that baptism... We take on his image, we take on his knowledge, we take on his likeness, we take on his nature, and sin has no more power over us. Has no more power over us. The body of sin is destroyed. Y'all understand what I'm saying? So, study this out this week. 
Because the word buried, and I think I got it in your definitions, means to be entombed or interned with or to assimilate Christ. And when I say Christ, I'm talking about the resurrected Christ. I ain't, because you look right here and it says, as many as us as are baptized into Jesus Christ, Jesus is the man. Y'all following me? He's the physical man. When you look the word Christ up, it gives you a definition that says, example, the Messiah, or the epithet, which is like a, it's an example, the glorified Christ. So we're not baptized into the man. We're baptized into the glorified spirit of man. The spirit of that. We're, we're baptized into that glorified spirit. Am I making sense? So, God has privileged us right here in this little old big church and He's given us a chance to be made partakers of the greatest visitation that God has given the earth in over 2,000 years since the dead Pentecost. God's given us this privilege. But we got to do something with it. You ain't just going to come in here and sit down. You're going to fight for this. You're going to press for it. You're going to knock for it. You're going to seek for it. And people ain't going to like you for it. Well, you hang around that John there. I want nothing to do with you. That's your choice. One thing I appreciate about Sister Susie, it don't matter who she's around or who talks to her. If my name comes up, she said, that's my pastor and you better leave me alone. <laughs> I got a sister in Fort Payne, but she just flat out whip you. I'm serious. And I've told her many times, I said, you don't have to do that. She said, Brother Matt, ain't nobody going to talk about my pastor. And I'm talking about somebody that used to be a drug dealer, drug runner. Buddy, she can hold her home with any man. And she will put you in your place in a heartbeat. You start talking about me and running me down. She just get with you, Brother Kevin. And she said, you better leave my pastor alone. She said, because I've known that man for 40 years. We used to pray together in the 70s, and we'd fast and pray and walk the grounds of the church all night long with another 100, 150 young people. That's where we met. She said, I had an experience with God. That man had an experience with God. She said, I got away from God. That man didn't. And she said, that man fought for me for 25 years to bring me back to God. He never turned loose of me. And she said, that's my pastor. You better leave him alone. She said, because I will hurt you. But I said, Sister Gail, God will fight for me. She said, well, I'll help him out. I said, he don't need no help. There's one thing, Sister Susie, does she'll tell folks, that's my pastor. Now, you better watch what you say. And I am. I'm a spiritual father. You may have many instructors in Christ, but you've only got one daddy. Now, birthing in this kingdom, you're my spiritual offspring. And you're going to bring forth what I'm producing, what I'm putting in you. If you really believe it, and gets you're going to bring it forth. Amen. You're going to bring it forth. I remember I had a, a man contact me. And uh, he'd been trying to get me to let him come to church for four or five years. And when I was in Alabama, and I just, I don't know nothing about him. Seemed like a good man. But I just never felt for him to come and he contacted me and said uh, I met a lady at a meeting 
I said, okay. She said her name's Sister Susie, and you're her pastor. I said, that's right. She said, boy, she speaks highly of you. <laughs> I said, that's all right. Brother Seeley. Brother Greg Seeley. I think that's how you pronounce his name. And uh, he's been contacting me for three or four years now trying to get I just hadn't. I told him I'd pray about it. If I feel it, you can come. If I don't, I don't let people come just be coming. I don't let people come just because they say they got a ministry. God has to speak to me. Amen. He got to speak to me. I don't care how long you've been preaching, how long you've been on the field. You better have some experience. You better know what you're doing when you step in the pulpit. And you don't need to step up here and divide the flock or tear people down. You need to strengthen people. Build them up, pull. Because I'm going to tell you something. Anybody going anybody to tear my people up? It's going to be me. It ain't going to be you. Because <laughs> you come in and tear my people up, you better hit the city limits, and you better be high-stepping and moving fast, because I'll be after your hide, because it ain't your place. Amen? It ain't your place. I learned that, and I started evangelizing. Because not evangelizing, not fiery, I rough. And I could tear up some hide. When you evangelize and you tear up hide, you can just go on down the road and keep on going. Pastor got to deal with your mess. And I learned you don't stir up trouble. You just go ahead and preach to Jesus, do what you can to help people, and you just head on down the road. Once you stir up a mess for that pastor to clean up, but the next time you call that pastor, uh-uh, buddy boy. took me six months to straighten your junk out. <laughs> and when the Lord called me to pastor, I had... Somebody tell me, said, Brother Matter, your phone's going to be ringing off the hook. said, preacher's going to be calling you to come preach. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, I bet you I get 10 phone calls a week. I didn't get 10 a month. <laughs> then I think it went down to about 10 every six months. In the last two or three years, I'd down there, I think about 10 a year. Because people, people know me. I don't put up no junk. You're going to step in that pulpit. You better have your life clean. You better be doing what's right in the eyes of the Lord. And you know when the Lord put me up here, but Michael said, I done had a half a dozen preachers come by and visit me. I said, really? Yeah, they won't come preach. I said, it's funny they didn't come ask me. He said, well, Brother Matter, he said, you know you can be a little intimidating. <laughs> That's what my middle daughter used to tell me. She said, I think the oldest one told me too, but she said, Dad, she said, you know it's hard for me to bring boys home and meet you. I said, really, why? She said, well, when I bring my boyfriend in, you got your 12-gauge shotgun out cleaning your shotgun. <laughs> and she said, and you speak to them, and you got that low, rumbling voice, and you shake hands with them with a grip of a tiger paw <laughs> or a vice. One thing I like about Brother Kevin, Brother Kevin got a firm handshake. And I just said, you kind of intimidate them. I said, well, they need to be intimidated. <laughs> I said, they need to know you're my daughter and you don't belong to them. They better do right because they don't. Amen. I'll tell you right quick. You better give your heart to Jesus because you step out of line. The rest of you belongs to me. <laughs> my girl. Hallelujah. Y'all appreciate this word. Hadn't this been good? But Brother Michael, he told me, he said, man, there probably been a half a dozen come by and 
And he said, so I, I talked to him. And he said, one of them wanted to come preach. And uh, he said, I just looked at him. And he said, you want to come preach here? He said, yeah. He said, do you know my pastor? He, he refers to me as his pastor. They said, yeah, we know him. Said, you know what kind of standard he's got and what kind of word he preaches? Yeah, we've heard about it. Well, just tell me what you're going to preach to these people. <laughs> they just stood there and looked at him. Said, when you tell me what you can preach to these people, they ain't already heard. Or the revelation God's revealing in them that you can preach something that's going to excite them or stir them. Said, because they ain't they just going to sit there and look at you. Said, you ain't going to walk in the pulpit in Jesus' name. Baptism excited them. Said, they heard that years ago. <laughs> Said, you better have something that God spoke to you about that's going to get their attention. I don't think any of them's ever come back and ask again. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be ugly. But it's like Sister Sue said, this church ain't easy. This ain't just come in, shout, sing a song, feel good, go home, live like you want to all week and come back the next week. God has a higher standard than that. And He set His standards on us. You know why? God's developing leadership. There ain't no leadership for God's people. Very few pastors that pastor churches can, can lead the people. They just get them in a service and they go through the same thing every week. It breaks my heart. The people aren't taught how to fight, ain't taught how to pray, ain't taught how to take the Word and live by the Word and fight with the Word. And all I can tell y'all, y'all without excuse. Because you've been taught to pray. You're being taught to pray. You're being taught to stand on the Word. You're being taught to seek for the revelation that God wants to reveal in you. God wants to make something out of us. Don't back up on me now. Let's fight this thing through to the end. And I will try next week, if the Lord let me, I will get into this baptism of His death and I will just break it down. Word for word and Scripture for Scripture. We'll do Romans 6, 7, 8, Philippians 3. We'll just go right through it and try to sum it up. Because you need to know, how many of you learned something today? See, God did talk to us today. What the Lord told Sister Susie was right. God was going to talk to us today, and He did. Why? He loves us. God's not a hard taskmaster. But you can't give responsibility to people that ain't going to be accountable. Amen. God ain't putting this in the hands of 5th and 6th graders. God's putting this in the hands of people that want to apply themselves to His dedications and His Word and His standards. God's looking for somebody to live up to His standards. If you live up to His standards, promotion comes from the Lord. It don't come from man. I don't care what man says you can do. Promotion comes from the Lord. Amen. Do you appreciate it? Go to prayer with me. Father, in the holy name of Jesus, Lord, I feel peace in my spirit about this service. I feel good about what you've done, what you're revealing, how you're talking to us. But Lord, still, I'm going to press you this week to bring us into one mind. Bring us into one heart. God, when Sister Kathy comes on Monday and or Tuesday and what is it, Tuesday and Thursday nights, Monday and Thursday nights, Lord, put a Put a hunger in people's hearts to come pray that are in the area. 
Lord, we'll try to pray with them down in Georgia, Lord, down there where we're at. God, we may even try to get the church in Fort Payne to pray, but bring us together, Father. God, we need strength one from another. We need strength and encouragement. And we need to hold one another hands, Lord, and uphold one another. Uphold us by thy strong right arm and give us thy grace and thy strength. And let this word find good ground. Sink down in it, Lord. God, let this seed sink down in this good ground. Bring us forth. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can title this, Brother Philip, what's on the paper. What do you know about the Holy Ghost? Because I believe God talked to us today. Amen. Does anybody in here need prayer? You need healing for your body. If you do, I want to pray for you. Y'all remember to pray for Sister Pat this week. Because I miss her when she's not here. That's all right. Okay. God knows. God knows. Raise your hands up there. Hallelujah. You know what her heart is? Go to church. Be able to go to church. She's only been to church a couple of times in the last year because of circumstances and situation. But her heart cries to be able to go to the house of God. I'm going to tell you something. The desire that's in her heart and the hunger she has, it's going to testify against people that could come and don't come. It'll testify against people, Brother Justin. People that could be in the house of God and be doing something. The kind of hunger. And my mama, that's talking about services over in Alabama. And Brother Michael asked my mama about it. She said, Brother Michael, I don't care when you have church. I'll be there. I live to go to church. Church is my life. And people don't have that... Ooh. Mm. God, you clear the way. Don't let nothing from this day forward hinder her from being able to be in your house. You clear the way. In the name Jesus. Ha. Mm. Ha. Clear the way, Lord. Make straight the path. That highway of holiness. Whew. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Whew. Thank you, Lord. The Bible said there shall be a way there. And it shall be called a, a highway of holiness. And ain't no wayfaring stranger. Ain't, no, ain't nothing unclean nowhere. Ain't nothing except the pure in heart. Go walk therein. God's got a highway of holiness. You unclean, you ain't walking in it. You ain't walking in it. Amen. God's purifying things. And I told Brother Michael the other day, I said, God, if he can give you some brand new people. God, if he can put some new people here. Because he's tired of trying to deal with religious folks. If I had as many people told me this, coming to this church, and I was going to be their pastor, was here, church would be full, and they'd be standing in the lobby. Oh, I'll be there, Brother Matter. You're our pastor. We've chosen that church. We're going to come sit under your teaching. Well, you're going to come sit under my teaching. You better be here every week. Because I don't put up none of this five and six week stuff. You come to church and then you're out another five. God ain't going to do nothing for you. Except tan your hide somewhere down the way. <laughs> it's the truth. See, everybody hollers about the judgments of God. But they start right here. 
They start God's house. They start with a ministry. And I told Brother Michael, I said, just get ready. I said, because people don't want to go on with God. I said, they don't. When Sister Susie was talking about how she had an experience with God or however she worded it, what did you say when you got 18, 19? He come found you. But you wanted to go to the house of God. Didn't nobody have to pump and prime and pull? Well, see, when you want to serve God, you're going to be there. The way I was when I was 19 and I fully surrendered my heart to God, everywhere there was church, it could be 100 miles away. I'm going to be in church somewhere every night I could get there. And I was staying with some people one time, didn't have no way to go. And about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I started getting everything ready to go to church. Oh, we don't go to church on Tuesday night. I said, you know what? Oh, we, we don't go to church on Tuesday night. The man preaches there. We don't really care for his preaching. We don't go. I said, you know somebody is going? Because I'm going. i got to be in the house of God. There's a hunger inside of me. Then there's something inside of me raging to find God. Because when I fully surrendered to the Lord, it was like, y'all ever get gold without food and just get really, 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 really hungry? And I mean, if you don't feel like you don't get something to eat, you, you're just fixing to give up the ghost. Anybody ever got that way? Just naturally. That's the way I was spiritually. I had to be fed. I had to be fed. And the Spirit of God taught me because I listened to tapes, I listened to radio, I went to church services. I didn't, I didn't know nothing about doctrine. <laughs> I got saved 19, fully surrendered to God. I knew Jesus saved and Jesus healed. That's all I knew, Brother Thomas. Didn't know nothing else. Didn't know the difference between Trinity, oneness, pre-trib, trib-trib, trib, trib, last trib, whatever they call them. Right, I didn't know none of that stuff. I just wanted to go to the house of God and serve God. But I'd be going down the road, I'd be hunting for preachers on radio. You know, that's back before they got all these preachers on TV. But I'd be hunting for preachers on radio, and I'd turn on something, and I'd be listening to it. And the Lord taught me. The Lord taught me. He'd speak to me. He said, that ain't right. I'd turn it off. I'd go to a church. I'd slip in, start listening. Lord say, okay, that's all right. I'd stay. If he said it wasn't good, I'd ease out. The anointing taught me right from wrong. So when I tell y'all what's in me, I neither learned it of man nor taught it by man. But what is in me is by the revelation of Jesus Christ. God told me. I might have heard man preach. But then God told me that was right. I'd get in there and study it. And the Holy Ghost opened it up to me. That anointing teacher. I never took anybody's word for nothing. I'd listen to him. If it sounded good, felt good, felt right, I'd search it out. And I'd let God put it in my heart. So when I started preaching, if I preached something I thought I, I knew God had given to me, I thought everybody would receive it. <laughs> I did <get> dumb. Brother <laughs> Thomas and I go out and preach, man. When I was young in the Lord. I'd go out and preach, and I couldn't figure out why folks got upset. Because I knew God spoke to me. God dealt with me. <laughs> man, I could stir folks up. <laughs> and I didn't understand back then, but I understand now. Who's got a bunch of doctrine, religious stuff in them? God ain't got nothing to do with. Do you love the Lord? Anybody else need prayer? Have you enjoyed the service today? I've enjoyed being in the house of God. Looking forward to it.
again soon. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you to honor the Lord with your tithe and your offering. Please do what's right in God's eyes. You know, you just obey. Because when you honor God and you give in, it's part of your worship. And it causes God to smile on you. Amen. It does cause God to smile on you. Hallelujah. Y'all know church buckets over here. If you got something you want to help me with, put it over here in our mission jar right back here. Thank God I had 14 ones put in missions this week. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. Bless you, man. Appreciate you. Tell your mama we're praying for. Tell her I love her. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you, buddy. I love you. Man, it's good to see you. Missed you last week. <laughs> Getting gooder and gooder, ain't it? <laughs> Hallelujah. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Bless you. And can, let me get y'all's attention for just a second, because there's something I want y'all to pray about. I'm, I'm fixing to send out a letter to people that's been in my meetings or God's touched their life or they got confidence in me and I'm going to ask them just to help us with $20 a month and I want y'all to pray with me that God will give us favor because we need the finances to do what we want to do for God up here and I got people want me to come to Canada excuse me Sister Deborah I got, I got two different people want me to come to Canada I got people pulling on me Man, there's one brother over in India that every time he'll, he'll send me an email and he'll send me pictures of what he's doing. And he always addresses me, dear praying pastor. Because he come got in a meeting with me, traveled all the way across India in 06, I think it was. No, it was 07, because I met him at the end of our meeting. And he come got in a meeting with me, and he'd never been in meeting with anybody that I'd gather the preachers together and go to prayer like I would get him together and go pray. And I'd get him in prayer. And every time he addressed me, it's dear praying pastor, please come. Please come. Please come. He just, and we've sent him offerings and sent him equipment. And I think we sent him some bicycles. And then we bought him a, a DVD player and, and, you know, so they could play DVDs in their church. And we've actually, I've actually preached messages and had Sister Angela Abraham's husband, Stanley, interpret. We've actually sent messages over on DVDs. And so we set it up where their church could. And we bought them generators, you know, to go out and be able to use sound systems and bicycles and motorcycles. So we've helped them. But when my hands are tied, then I can't help them. We used to give, in, in Fort Payne Church, we give anywhere from 250 to $500 a month to missions. And we ain't been able to do that up here. But I want God to give us that ability because I got says she lost him. God says to Angela Abraham. And there's three or four others I can't think of. I mean, we support three or four different missionaries every month from church in Alabama because I got a burden for souls. And these people can't help themselves. Now, there's preachers I'll help if they need help. But I'm talking about to go out there and win souls like going to India or going to Africa or going to South America going over to Ukraine like some of these people do. I'll help them because them people over there can't help themselves. They don't have the money to help themselves. You go over and take up money in a 55-gallon drum in a meeting in India 
and you couldn't get enough over there. If you got a 55-gallon drum full of money, you couldn't get enough over there to fill a tank of gas. I mean, they're just that poor because all they'd give is like dimes, nickels, pennies because they don't have anything. When they work eight, nine hours a day for a dollar and a dollar and a half a day, and I had one guy tell me he was a waiter in a restaurant and he lived in the restaurant and he was 300 miles from home, made $15 a month, and he sent most of that back to support his family. Or you see a lady out busting rock with a sledgehammer to make gravel work on a road crew, and she got a little tent over there with two or three kids under it, and they're making a dollar and a half, two dollars a day busting rock for eight and ten hours a day with a sledgehammer. They ain't got nothing. We're blessed. We're blessed. I've seen people over there go to work in the morning, and I know there's one place they were building a building. They build everything over out of concrete. And they don't put rebar in the walls like we do. They put bamboo. <laughs> but they reinforce the walls over there. But the way they do concrete, they got a mixer. And women do the majority of the work in India. And they carry concrete on their head in a pan. About that big around. They say it's about 40 pounds. But they'll pour that concrete in there and they'll put it on their head. And they'll walk. Wherever they're pouring that concrete, they'll walk up them floors. Four, five, six, seven, eight, ten stories. They'll dump that concrete. Go right back down. Get in the, and I've seen them work eight, ten, and twelve hours a day like that. Have lights on at night. And the same people that started work at daylight that morning still working at eight, nine, ten o'clock at night. Those people can't help themselves. But we can help them. We can help them. Amen. So if y'all help me preach this gospel and get this gospel out, then God's going to bless you. And you encourage people. So I'm, and I want y'all to pray with me about this. I'm fixing to send out a letter to encourage people. Because there are people everywhere that this word has helped. There's people everywhere gotten miracles. There's people everywhere God's changed their lives. What's $5 a week? Dollar a day. Not even a dollar a day. 70, 70, 80 cents a day. Everybody can afford that if they want to. You know, you can take people that say they ain't got nothing, but they got a cell phone on their side. And they got a $100, $150, dollars a month cell phone bill. I've had young people in my church didn't have a place to sleep, nothing to eat, living on the street. But every time you seen them, they had the latest cell phone. Seen them one time, didn't have no place to sleep, nowhere to go, but she had an iPad. <laughs> Crazy. Crazy. That's just this generation. Has everybody obeyed the Lord? Hallelujah. Let's ask God to bless this. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, honor this. God, I thank you for the people here. I want to see them come forth, and I want to see them blessed. Put it in people's hearts to honor you with their tithe, with their offering. And then when you speak to them, do something extra. God, it's your word. It's foundation. And God, this is 44 years I've served you, and you've always blessed me for being obedient with what you give me, Lord. Didn't have much when I started out. But God, you've blessed me. Don't have a lot in the natural now, but you've been good to me. And I thank you for it. But it's because I've honored you. Give us a heart to serve you and do what's right in your eyes and in your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, Brother Elder, and dismiss for us. God bless you. I love you. Y'all pray for us. Sis Susie.
I need to see you right after service, okay? If you got you got time to stay a minute? Okay. Yes. Yes. She says, Susie's going to minister Sunday 24th. I will be in Mississippi. And she has the opening anywhere from that Wednesday to that Sunday. If she wants to preach two or three nights, she's got the opening. So she can let you know. double dose, don't we? Sister Susie gets up and ministers to us in front of the service. I mean, she preaches and appetizer, yeah, appetizer, appetizer for the, before the other meal gets here. But you know, sometimes appetizer, you know, I've, I've went to restaurants and sat down and order an appetizer and, and then get my regular meal and said, shoot, appetizer back in regular meal. I just should have stuck with appetizer. But but the way she brings it out, I mean, you can tell she's going back and studying what the pastor is ministering on and because she relates right back to it in the following week of the service. And, and that's what we all really need to do, I guess, is go back and study those notes because what she's getting them if we're not going to study them, I guess. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But, whoo. You know, I, I know the pastor done something years ago down in Fort Payne and with the uh, the water and the dye and the handkerchiefs and told people that and warned them, said, if you do this, you can't turn away from it if you agree to this. And a lot of them did, and a lot of them has been through a lot of trouble because of that. But this now that what he's done warned us about if you say that you want to enter into this and get into this and you begin to pray and seek God for this and then you turn and walk away from it there's no more what he said repentance for it so if you do anything and there's no repentance for it where's that where's that going to leave you where's that going to leave you it's it's a serious situation really serving God is serious because the Bible says that he did no do good and do it not to him and his sin. And the Bible says sin will not enter in. So, And we can say that a lot of people think this here is an easy way of making it to heaven. It's not. It's, it's not really. I mean, it's really, it's, it's really concentrating on doing what you know to do and, and doing it to the best of your ability. It's a serious situation. But we can make it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. How many loves him? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I think everybody's been praying for snow. I mean, Justin's been hollering snow at me for about quite a few days now. Snow, 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 and I don't want to see no snow. I hate snow. It messes up the yard, messes up the driveway, and I still have to go to work. Now, if I got to stay out of work, I'd be a little more for it because I get paid salary, so it don't matter if I'm working or not. I get paid the same. So... I can stay out and enjoy it with my boss every time it snows. Just like last year, we got about, what, about four or five inches there at the house. I mean, it deep. Well, down in Calhoun, they done got the graders out and scraped the snow off the road, and it was good and clear and everything. My boss called me said, 
Come to work. We can do something. I said, you don't know where I live. Come to work. Get here. Here I am fighting ice out of the driveway and down that road down the red bud and then fighting it and being real careful, hoping I don't tear up my truck to get to work, get on down there in town. Well, it's clear, like he said, but he don't know what I'm looking at whenever he calls me and I'm looking out the door. I mean, look like I ain't going nowhere, but, but when you boss speech, sometimes you have to try, you know, try. But after I got on down there, you know, county in town it they done straight the road down there but they don't care nothing about us county folks out there they don't even realize we're out there i don't think sometimes praise the lord but if you're standing your feet will be dismissed yes ma'am Ha, ha, ha.